0: well welcome to the as of yet unnamed podcast between me i'm ryan and uh brandon my co-host that's me that's me and our co-co-host mr robert hello put some effort into me and uh right so for context, this is a film-centered podcast. We, I mean, it's pretty loosey goosey. We're not, we're not, you know, tied tied down to it. So I'm assuming we're going to do. I would like to do a Breaking Bad episode at some point, point. <laughs> uh, and Better Call Saul, because like, why would you not? But it's def- it's going to be definitely film-oriented. So like, for example, this episode or this collection of episodes, this is part one of three, is going to be our top five films so this is not necessarily the best films of all time this is our opinions of either sentimental films the films that are sentimental to us or have an effect on us or just films we really like so obviously these are going to be good films i don't expect i mean robert could be a mixed bag but i don't expect there'll be any bad films on this list um but we, like we were saying just before we started recording, they're also not going to be, I doubt, maybe, again, it could be Robert, it could be The Outlier, but mine and Brandon's list are probably going to be pretty much what you expect for a mid-20s white guy. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so, in that, <laughs> in, that uh, in that regard, uh, it'll be no surprise that my top five, my number five, is Return of the Jedi. Alright. Uh... Originally my top five spot was Hot Fuzz because I think that is the best comedy film oh, That's of totally all time. Fair. Um the only thing is is I I think I probably I can watch Hot Fuzz pretty much whenever it goes on. It never like I've never once watched it and thought, Oh god, I like I've never once looked away and thought, Oh, I'll go make my dinner or make a cup of tea or whatever. It's just like eyes locked, just constant. It's like it's the film you just pay if you pay attention to it, it just gets funnier. So that might be For more chat and the honorable mentions list but number five is return of the jedi i don't know if that's either on any either of your lists either um
1: i'll tell you now, not a single star wars okay well i
0: was worried because i know for a fact that there might be an appearance of star wars on brandon's list um that i didn't want to just fill the list with star wars because we're probably going to do quite a few star wars episodes anyway um
2: but we're being honest with ourselves. But, so. <laughs> exactly. So I originally
0: had hot fuzz because I didn't want to just talk about Star Wars, but I do love Star Wars, so we're going to talk about Star Wars. Um,
2: question. See, for all these movies, are we happy to talk spoilers or are we going to try and avoid that? We, sort of we
0: are a spoiler podcast. Right. We, there are, I mean, we might have clips that are non-spoilers. Those will be labeled as non-spoiler. Everything else, if you hear us talk about it, we will give spoiler warnings for. I mean, Return of the Jedi is like forty years old this year, so like. Where the yeah, most most these films should be kind of. Most these yeah. films should be fine. Because so. uh, uh, well, there's been some recent films that will appear in my honorable mentions, and probably part of the reason they're not in the top five is because I've only seen them so recently. That's right. Um, but we'll talk about those later. Yeah. But yeah, I'm... so these these are spoiler episodes. Every episode, but especially these ones. <laughs> um, anything you'd like to add, Robert?
1: uh yeah no i was just gonna say I, I tried to do the same where it was like you've had a good few years to watch it and if you haven't watched it yeah that's your fault
0: uh yeah i mean our our plans are because this is the week of this is mid-june mid-june so the flash comes out i think the flash came out today actually in oh, the it, uk right? yeah. yeah um so we plan on having an episode up by sunday for that so oh. obviously the audience if it exists uh won't know the difference but we will um so there will be modern films uh i think the plan is is to kind of shake it up between a weekly podcast of a discussion that's kind of like a diary of what we've seen since the last episode right um so it is just very much like vomit out whatever you've been watching and gush over it or hate on it there will also be secondary episodes or even just segments within that weekly episode that are more um, o- well also that the main episodes will include like recent releases. So for example uh, like The Flash this week or Transformers came out last week. We'll probably be combining those into one episode and then Indiana Jones in a couple of weeks as well. Right. Um, which apparently the reviews have gotten better since the last time we talked but I still have zero fucking hope for that film. I'm say now, um. So the other thing is the second i think there will be secondary episodes where we take a concept like brandon i think is going to start up a tier list series he's going to start doing those he's working on a pixar one just now so that'll be expect that soon and i'm working on a based on a true story series um but i'm sure i'm sure that'll be a while um but also, I think the the podcast in general will be slightly more oriented towards classic films as well as recent releases because we we haven't seen a lot of the classics, um, oh, yeah, and I would uh, like to watch them. Don't put
1: me in your category. I've seen a lot of the classics.
0: Okay. <laughs> um, well, fair enough. You can talk about classics then. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So enough digressing. We'll get on Star with it. Top five. Star Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> Return of the Jedi. In so, my so, opinion.
2: So, so why is it? Why is it your favorite? In my
0: opinion. Especially recently, we, we we did a watch of a group watch of the despecialized editions of the original trilogy. Yeah, the Empire Strikes Back, I think, is the better film. It's probably the tightest film. I think everyone kind of knows that, but Return of the Jedi is my favorite film. It just has the right—I don't they t- just the vibe is just insane like it's just so good like you can't watch it and not hate it unless you're a total like i don't know just a dickhead like no i no,
2: no, like even though it's even though it's not my favorite of the even the it's three, just great I, I, it, honestly I mean, be my least favorite of the three, but that does not mean yeah I dislike it in it's way. star wars like it's, it's got like, some of the it's got easily some of the best shit in it yeah you know i mean
0: because well like, that's the thing it, it's probably got some of the best moments like you say but it's probably over the, as a whole probably not the best film well, it's definitely not mm-hmm. the best film, I think. Um, but I yeah, it's know. just like I think
1: it's the best, just for the Ewoks.
0: Well, that's the thing, right? A lot of people complain <laughs> about Even the Ewoks. It's the worst because so the, of the Ewoks. <laughs> I mean, yeah. The other thing is, right? Like we've we've all grown up. For context, we're all 23, 24. So we've all grown up, obviously, way after the films. The original films came out. We grew up with, with the prequel films, but. We also grew up with the original trilogy. So the Ewoks to us, I guess. Well, I'm speaking for myself here, but maybe for both of you. The Ewoks have never bothered me, really. Um, I think watching it as an adult, I can see why that criticism comes about. Especially the very, very end with the... I think as Harrison Ford puts it, the uh, teddy bear tea party. But, <laughs> or the teddy bear picnic. <laughs> which is pretty accurate. Um, but, yeah. I think I think the Yubnub versus the Ewok yeah. celebration makes a big difference. Yeah. So uh,
2: people people freaking defend Yub as well and that is the, that is y- a a banger,
0: but being. it's it's not as good. It's not as good as Ewok Yub-nub celebration. Is not like end of saga. <laughs> of freaking no, music. yeah, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Know, it's like... strange. It is strange. And then I guess like 15 16 years after that you get the prequels and they make sense when you uh, when you take Yub Nub in context. Yeah. But um uh,
2: from from what I've seen based on the Ewoks the I think it's based on age groups, right? So I think younger people don't care, like kids. I think they love the Ewoks.
0: And stuff. Well, that's why they're there, right?
2: But then I think when you get to the teens, so for example, when I was a teen, I just, I, I, when I heard about oh, it was supposed to be bookies, I was like, okay, that's so much, that's so much <laughs> cool. But then when you get to an adult, you're like, nah. The whole point is like, don't underestimate. Your foes, you know, and it's like it's their home turf. So you're saying there's the a point, you know? there's like an
0: uncanny valley curve of liking the Ewoks as you grow I, up. I think there is, I think there is. I think that, honestly, I think it's the same with Jar
2: Jar as well. I think that's an age range kind of thing as well, depending on if you grew up. With I think or
0: not. I think that depends on how much of a fan you are as well. I think you can appreciate Jar Jar more uh knowing the behind the scenes, and especially with Adam Ahmad Best and stuff. I think a lot of sympathy for him yeah. has kind of led to more sympathy for the character of Jar Jar um mm-hmm. but like people my dad's generation like I, I my one of my old coaches used to be a big star wars fan and he was just like <laughs> just did not give a shit about the prequels. like <laughs> was yeah, still salty like 20 odd years after but like um for yeah hon-
1: honestly for me and i know this is like hot take, but the the saving the saving grace, lots of those yes expect... <laughs> <laughs> the saving grades for Jar Jar binks is when is in the Clone Wars series, when he gets it going on with a princess. Then for me, I was like... You <laughs> when know George what, gets I... his hole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, for me, George is a legend. Don't sure. know what we're
0: talking about. Um, also, just for some more... Uh... <laughs> this is going to be representative <laughs> of the podcast. We're talking about Return of the Jedi, and we've gone off tangent already. So <laughs> <Sorry, sorry, laughs> off on a tangent sorry, already. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, this isn't... No, no, no. This isn't me telling you guys off for going on a tangent this is me letting the audience know <laughs> this is going to be a regular occurrence and i'm not stopping it um so yeah so if we do bring it back to return of jedi though i think definitely has the best scenes i think it has some of the best jokes in the series um has some of the best like character like banner as well Music. um some of the best lines as well, best music. Oh, mate, the best music in the whole series by 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 a long like shot. The
2: Emperor's theme is actually like top three. You're, in that well, theme.
0: Like... you're mis- Well, top one is clearly Jedi's Fury. Um, appreciate yeah. I appreciate, yes. yeah, I, exactly I I appreciate cool. you letting me bring that up because I thought so you were going to bring it which, up, and I was going to have to cut your line. Fury again? Jedi's like... Fury is when Luke goes ham on Vader for bringing up his sister. Oh yes. Um, and it's like, I like <sighs> Brandon. I think. Just as a prelude, Brandon is a self-proclaimed emotional film watcher. I am. Um, I am... I've even cried at Wally
2: today, mate. So. <laughs> <laughs> Guy cries at
0: record off too, mate. <laughs> <laughs> <We're>... <laughs> oh no, Wally,
2: back to evil. I've some crying.
0: He's <laughs> <Just laughs> forgotten <laughs> So, I'm I'm probably on the road to that as well. Where like, in regular life, not a big crier. Uh, but in terms of, like, film and music, like, some things just, like, hit the spot, and that, you'll see later on in the list as well, a few more examples of that, and that's probably why they're on the list is because they do get an emotional reaction out of me. Um, Mm. which I kind of hate, because I'm still, not kind of hate, but, I, you know, there's still lingering remnants of, like, moody teenager phase where I don't have any feelings. Like, um, but no, I definitely do have feelings, and Jedi's Fury brings it out. Um, fantastic uh i think that wraps up apart from the teddy bear picnic the main arcs are like just so fantastically done like luke is just badass you don't need an introduction to him like oh it's years after and whatever you just instantly know as he walks in and i've i've heard people the is it the Gamorrean guards that he chokes them he choked he force chokes the Gamorrean guards i've heard people say that he doesn't force choke them he just mind tricks them into think they're being force choked that's, make a looking too into,
2: that's looking too much into it like that's, that's I mean
0: I mean fair enough, if George says it's that way, I doubt he has because he yeah I, I mean, where is George but um like whether he actually chokes them or just makes them think they're choking, they still think they're choking, so like I don't know, I think that's i I like the darker look as well i I've always liked the darker look um. Like, sure. my own i will obviously the criticisms with this film i guess like i i think i'll talk about some criticisms first maybe and then go into just like gushing again um but and obviously you guys can chime in if you agree or disagree but <clears throat> some criticisms the, the the first act is well the first act the first scene the first like set pieces they're all great but apart from the song but um It doesn't, Luke's plan does not make sense. And this is not a surprise to anyone who likes Star Wars. Luke's plan does not make much sense. Um, Or even if it does make sense, it's not filmed in a way that's that clear as to what he's actually planning. So, I mean, I'm I'm kind of a Star Wars apologist. I don't look into a lot of things too much unless it's the sequels, but... um, (laughs) Yeah, just to be hypocritical. But... um, it doesn't make too much sense like sending in the droids first and then only just for like basically just to have R2 shoot off his lightsaber but then yeah, and, and he could just... the
2: just the, the, the
0: Yeah but like Luke didn't know they were going in the sail barge to like the Sarlacc I guess like it yeah. wouldn't matter I guess I don't know like I don't know how else he would get his lightsaber out of R2 unless they were in open air because it would just hit the fucking ceiling and ping around Jabba's hut or whatever Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is I guess why didn't Luke just go balls to the fucking wall and just like if he was going to kill everyone anyway like I guess like it's not the Jedi way to do things but like just go get Han Solo mate like just run in run out on you go having said that the silver Barge is really cool uh, and it's a very good Lego Star Wars level um, <laughs> it's,
2: just, it's just fun though isn't it it's fun like like it doesn't make too much sense but like at the end of the day it's
0: it's it's just a spectacle to open the film as well um i think the the other thing is obviously boba fett gets done kind of dirty i'm okay with it he's i mean i was never like i guess i still getting done dirty (laughs) yeah i mean i i guess i missed the boat with like oh boba fett's like a really cool character but like I, i always thought like he looks cool but he's never like my favorite or anything I never saw him as like this big dark mysterious man. I, I, mean, feel, I feel like if you go through the though,
2: all these comics and yeah, shows thinking, and stuff, kind show showing off. Whereas with our sort of generation, we had Junglefest, you know, and I didn't care about Fett that much. Don't even care about <laughs> <the> Junglefest. <either. laughs> no, so, like, so, so you know, he's, just the,
0: he's just the headless motherfucker from the second <laughs> film. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah, I think so. Like some of the choreography, I think in that, like as well, like the. It's, it's one of those things where we like, we like in general watching behind the scenes things from these films as well. Mm-hmm. Um, especially older films like the, so like a great documentary on Disney plus is light and magic, which yeah. is basically the start to finish story of industrial light and magic and how they were kind of an offshoot of Lucasfilm. Um, and then kind of opened up later to do like other studios films as well. But they were kind of like George Lucas's little, like I want to say brainchild, but he kind of abused them for a long time. So maybe not. They were the, it was the brainchild of like, uh, is his name Phil Tippett? I think his name's Phil Tippett and Phil uh tippet a few made other guys. The, he, made the he did the maquettes. Yeah, yeah, but he did like the the dinosaur hmm. maquettes and stuff that were stop motion for Jurassic Park and all that kind of stuff as well. So he's like a big guy in industry, but obviously he was getting this. I guess we, he was getting a start here. It was kind of like grown up thing. But um yeah, so there was a few that I can't remember. Honestly, I can't remember some of the other guys' names. But there was like kind of like there was a bunch of these like, young filmmakers come together and and just made these like amazing props and obviously oscar winning effects with the original star wars um yeah. but just like when you watch the behind the scenes stuff is sometimes you notice things in films that are unseeable then when you watch it again so it's like the more like if you're just a young kid watching it and you're like oh man look such a badass but then now you're an old and, and you look at it and you go man that was a really bad kick like yeah. yeah, he, t- he totally yeah. missed that guy, <laughs> but like, <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, Sailboard is great, and then it goes straight into like the best character in Star Wars, or the second best character, uh, Yoda, looking Yoda. You get a nice little, nice little closure on Yoda. The best, probably the best puppet. (laughs) in Yeah. I didn't say anything. I just, I just did. uh... Yeah, this is why. So, yeah, Stuart's not coming. Um, There's a reason Stuart's not in this episode, and he will not be on Empire Strikes Back episode either. Um, (laughs) Absolutely
2: not. Ass. Shocking. Yoda looks
0: ass. (laughs) Mate, the best puppet in cinema, apart from Grogu, like.
2: Yeah, it's yeah. same freaking hundred percent. Same species.
0: Um, but yeah, so like Yoda's great, stuff's great. Luke, Luke is just fantastic in the whole film, and I think Luke is the highlight of this film. Whereas I think that's probably where this film falls short. Um, in terms of Empire, where in Empire you have two parallel storylines that are both really, really strong. Mm. Um, and you have yeah. Luke kind of on his own training to be a Jedi, and you have everyone else kind of doing their own thing, uh, on Despen and all that, and in the asteroid. I think that's what this film maybe suffers from, is that the non-Luke stuff is probably weaker, or just more repetitive, because it is just them going to destroy another Death Star. Again, or growing which, up with it as a kid... Luke
2: stuff's so good well, yeah, I guess. You get back to that, you, know, <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, 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 but, the Ewoks are fine, but I want to go back to, like, Vader and Luke. Yeah,
0: know? and, like, well, speaking of Vader, Vader's great in this film as well. Uh, yeah. I know I I think this is maybe an older generation thing as well as some I think some people are quite I don't I think a lot of people didn't want Vader to be humanized was the thing mm-hmm. and I think this is a big thing with the prequels as well is that George's intentions with the films don't necessarily align with the audience's reception of the films mm-hmm. um which is why you get this divide of like well a lot of people don't like the prequels and I think that's because George's vision of the George's vision of Star Wars was either always different and only came to fruition more because he had all his hands on the prequels. He was obviously more hands-off with Empire and Return of the Jedi. Did indirect
1: direct them? Well, they <laughs> indirect did not
0: direct, exactly. Um, or George, in, in the intermediate period between the prequels and the, the original trilogy, he had like a change of what Star Wars is to him. Or just like, I don't know. I, didn't, I, didn't, but, I, th-
1: I think he changed, would you not say? 100%. i don't know because like, well, like
2: there's no there's no thing of like oh jedi are bloody celibate instead. well okay that's well that's not that's not
0: exactly what yeah. i mean i i think those are different ideas that come up about the lore i was more meaning core principles in star wars right. like um or like core ideas in star wars that aren't so much just like lore and minutiae but more like should vader be humanized um, right. Because in the first film, Vader is just the black, the the bad guy in a black suit, yeah. And there isn't much to him apart from he kills Obi Wan. You learn that he's one of Obi Wan's previous apprentices, along with Anakin, who he killed at some point. Um, and that's all you get. There isn't. I guess it. It's probably wrong to say there's no character there, but there's
2: very minimal.
0: It's it's well, you don't need it. It's not what the film's trying to do. You got um, Tarkin anyway, as well. So it's like yeah um and like vader's just the badass he's the strong he's he's like the muscle he's um he's just the like the mysterious dark presence in the film and that's all you need um obviously empire things change you learn he's luke's father spoilers um damn it <laughs>
1: I <didn't know> that.
0: <laughs> shocking um I'm yeah you get a lot more from vader in that film um even just like more Vader's like kind of charisma as well. Yeah. Um, obviously, I think we'll, we'll talk the about that in your episode. Yeah, because like he has a few like quips as well where yeah, it's yeah. a bit like, oh, well, I guess they're dad jokes. He, he, he talks about was...
2: half his squad. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's the thing.
0: They, they, they play it as comedy as well. Like it's dark, yeah. but they play comedy as well, yeah. um, which is good. I like that. Uh, but then in this one, it's very much Vader humanized as well, where. He, mm-hmm. at the start, like towards the start of the film, or like his his portion of the start of the film um, he is kind of that episode 4 and 5 Vader, and then by the end he's like a totally different entity well, within the film
2: for me, the the moment that changes is when they're on, I want to call it a bridge and like they're, you know like Luke's constantly calling them father and stuff, and obviously that's kind of annoying Vader, he right. doesn't want to be called that but then uh, it's, I think it's the line for me when he's like... Um, I know what you're going to say. Uh, well, and if Luke's you don't like, say it, I'm going to say it. Luke's pretty much saying, like, you know, they're so good in you, like, you're you're, you're going to help me kill the emperor." or whatever. And then Vader says... It's Luke too late for me now. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's like, like that's the moment it changes. Yep. It's
0: like, well, to be fair, uh, it's not just the line, it's also the delivery is really well done as well. Yeah, yeah um, that's because because
2: James James to Because
0: from that, you get obviously, like, you do get, like, regret or, like, a sense of, like, oh, he's too far down the road to stop, and it's more of a, a justifying him still being dark rather than making the sacrifice um, or making the change to be, be good again, um, mm-hmm. which obviously he eventually does. But that's that's,
2: that's the best... That's, for me, That that's what I love about this film, is that Luke's uh, the one trying to bring him back, but he's the one not giving up.
0: Which, like well... Everyone, everyone listening and everyone talking, uh, remember that for uh, episode eight. (laughs) Luke Luke was being told point blank by Space Hitler, I'm I'm bad and I'm not being good. And he was like, nah, I, I still see the good.
2: Luke's literally getting electrocuted to them, and he's still not giving <laughs> it up. You know, yeah. <laughs> he literally pulls yeah. away his lightsaber and says, "Well,
0: me, be, like best." <laughs> but I think I think it's such a great moment as well, where you could have you could, like you could quite easily, and I think this was in George's head as well, is you could quite easily have Luke take Vader's place, mm-hmm. and have like another Reve- M- Empire Strikes Back ending. Like, you twist. could have Luke that just way, outright I mean, kill Vader. Like anything, you know, yeah, but or... you. You could also have him just kill vader and then it would be or kill the emperor and it would just be over but because yeah. the thing is right if you're doing the hero's journey the whole point is uh the hero gets to the end of his quest and he kills the dragon sort of thing yeah yeah but, well obviously that's what they set up in the in the fourth and fifth films but he never kills vader and he never kills the emperor um yeah. but yeah so i think this is part of the thing where maybe george's idea of star wars doesn't gel with the audience's idea is that there are some people, like, I, don't, I think my dad is kind of in this category as well, where he prefers the Vader from Episode 4 that's just force choking the fuck out of uh, Empire officials or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't really want a humanized Vader. He just wants a bad guy. Yeah. Um, not to say that my dad, obviously, Return of the Jedi, I think, is probably still my dad's favorite film. But just in general, not even out of Star Wars. Um, but I think there is still that, maybe that there is an audience that didn't just wanted a bad guy. They um, just wanted it was, like a
1: bad guy to be a bad guy yeah I think not in, you can, like, I think in the sympathize. Star Wars fandom
0: that's that's not the case I think everyone who's in like a fan of Star Wars today I would say is probably mm-hmm. of the mind that the Vader stuff's good yeah, oh,
1: um, yeah.
0: And but th- I think that, so my point I think my point for this was is going into the prequels is that this is why you get the Anakin Skywalker story in the prequels and this is why you get him as a tragic character because he's trying to set up the humanity that you see in episode six. The problem is, I think there was lingering maybe people from the original trilogy who didn't quite like that in the sixth film, right? as well as it's so much space in between. And like Hayden Christensen, like we, I, like we we're quite fond of the prequels, obviously in different capacities, but in general, mm-hmm. at least episode three, Hayden Christensen. Yeah. Um, the problem is Hayden's a bit of a dweeb and that's not his fault that's like that's on what george do, what um, do you mean sorry he's not vader is he he's not he's never menacing really in the way right, that vader uh, was
1: like like anakin anakin like, yeah right, right, right. anakin
0: is never i mean there's glimpses of it but in terms of a character you never get him uh really Embody vader in any real way until the very very end there's there like then it's... very few scenes
2: like yeah. the Tusken invader scene i think is done pretty well but that's yeah. like one scene
0: well that's what my mind went to yeah. as well yeah i, th- I um,
2: think i think if you compare it to clone wars you see a massive difference because i feel like that and I can mean, you totally can see being vader sure. whereas i still but, think you know I'd, i think I'd,
0: i think i'd even take more of it to be honest than what clone yeah. wars gives but um yeah, I, I, it's still hard to kind of reconcile that Anakin and Vader are one when you just watch the films, um, even though you know the names are the same and that they have to be the same because that's Padme and Anakin's child, children. Um, it's still a bit hard to kind of click together in my head that oh yeah, Hayden Christensen is a young Vader. Um, but I mean, okay. So is there anything else? Like, I'm, I, would, I would keep talking about Return of the Jedi, but we've been talking for about a half hour. Um,
1: <laughs> I mean, final thoughts, final thoughts on Return of the Jedi. final
0: thoughts. I'll, I'll start with mine then, and then you guys can chime in as well. Um, okay. My final thoughts are the Despecialized edition and the Special Edition, the new version, the Blu-ray version or whatever version that's latest. Um, I don't think, I think in every other film, I think in Empire Strikes Back, the Despecialized is clearly the winner. I think, and even though those are the most same, the most similar between the two, and Episode Four, I think, is a much better film without the new special effects. Um, episode Six, I think, is different. Episode thing, Six, I think, if you combined like the best parts of both versions, you would have the best version of Return of the Jedi. I don't think there's a specific version of Return of the Jedi that exists that is the best version of the film, because the special edition suffers from the horrible cgi song <laughs> at the start of the film in jedi and Jabba's hut palace where it's just in your face obnoxious and it just doesn't look good and it doesn't hold up and i mean it might have been okay in the 90s or 2003 whenever the hell they did it it doesn't look good now and it it shows and it's bad and even like the Sabalba i can't remember exactly what their race is called but dogs, dugs he he walks through this the cantina and it it I mean, it looks fine for like two thousand standards, but it doesn't fit with the the aesthetic of the old films. Um, yeah. So things like I that, yeah. and obviously, episode four I think suffers the worst from those type of things, especially uh, Tatooine. But episode six, I think, like, so that if you combine the start of the Despecialized Edition, the original cut, the the first half of that film is probably the best version.
2: Hmm. And then keep the song at the
0: end. <laughs> but if you keep the song from the Specialized Edition, you get the you get the benefit of that being a bit better as well. So I think it's a shame that, uh, at least in the other cases, you have the option of... I mean, I guess someone's maybe made an edit where you combine the best parts, but that could also just be my opinion that those are the best parts. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, to summarize, uh, I think Return of the Jedi is probably my, is definitely my favorite Star Wars film. I don't think it's the best Star Wars film. I think Empire probably is. Uh, it's the most intelligent, I think, Empire as well. Um Having said that, Luke's arc in this film is fantastic, and I probably don't need to tell you any of these things because if you're a Star Wars fan, you already know these things. But uh, I mean, the special effects are probably the best. I mean, they're already great in all three films, but I think there is a step up from Empire. Um, Except some of the background roles for me. There's in some I mean I meant there's a step up in Empire from Episode oh, Four, no. and yeah. then that that tra- that carries over in Episode Six, but. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, I think the only one for me in a modern sense where I'm like is a bit uh eh, it's probably the speed of bike chase looks a bit the green screen on that it doesn't look great. Um but apart for that, I think I think the stop motion I have, I have a real uh I really like stop motion in films. Um even like in the Star Wars sense of it's like the walkers and like the ATATs and ATSTs, I really like the way they feel the way they move in stop-motion as well, even though it probably looks a bit dated now, but I like I like the dated look. Um, but yeah, for me, just the best vibe in Star Wars, it's one of those ones where Empire's, Empire's great, but it's a bit of a downer, where I can watch the film and appreciate it every time I watch it, but it's probably the Star Wars film I watch the least out of the original trilogy, definitely. Um, and, and Return of the Jedi is probably the one I watch most, just because I, 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 it's just a good time. Like... You get the fulfillment of all these characters. Um, you get the trio back together for a little bit. Lando's great, obviously. Can't, well, we've been talking a half hour about Return of the Jedi and you haven't even mentioned Neem Num, mate.
2: Oh, I, I was saving it, don't worry, mate. I was, yeah. I was saving it.
0: So, yeah. So, my thoughts, absolute. 10 out of 10, banging film. I get the criticism. Doesn't bother me. Um, Endor's like probably one of my favorite favorite planets in the star wars universe especially from like battlefront games like ender seems to get a lot of playtime and stuff like that and i have no problem with that like the ships all the additions great i love vader's arc um i love it in the context i like it in the context of what it originally was without any of the anakin stuff from the prequels and i like it in terms of the whole chosen one arc as well um Mm. so yeah that, that that's i mean I I reckon we're gonna do a Star Wars series where we go through every episode anyway. (laughs) So expect like if we're talking about a half hour, I was I can't lie, I was was worried that this list was gonna be too short and we're gonna have to add in films. We're already halfway through and I've only been through one film, so (laughs) either this is gonna be edited or uh, it's gonna be a long episode. So sorry, but um, yeah. So closing remarks. Expect a Return of the Jedi episode at some point, but. I just freaking love Return of the Jedi. Yeah,
1: man. Um, fair enough. Fair enough.
0: Any any final thoughts from you guys on Return of the Jedi? Any for
1: Robert? I'll let you go first and play. I
0: Is it your favourite one as well, Robert? No. no.
1: No. It in in the in the trilogy I think four would be my favourite
0: so oh, so we have we have a difference of opinion between the three of us yeah.
1: four is quite like
2: but the flawless though, in of opinion like four is like actually a perfect film it's not my favorite but it's, it is like a perfect i think film. i
0: think you're right i think the only thing is is that because i always grew up with the films as like a collective yeah i'm always looking forward to the other films more than i am yeah see, like in episode four film. Like yeah, yeah, it's chapter one, but like that's the thing. It's like the fight. None of the fights look as good, even though I'm I'm I actually don't have a problem with the fight in uh, episode four either. A lot yeah, of people yeah, do, yeah. but I actually don't mind the kind of stunted old man <laughs> old man fight. Um, but I think everything just kind of because I know what's coming. I'm always like looking forward to that more than I am watching this one. So I think that's probably why four is not my top one is because I'm just looking forward to the other two because the Sorry. iconic moments for me come from six yeah. so um yeah so yours is four Rob, brandon's is five and mine's is six. Oh mate couldn't write it better if we could if we tried um
1: to be to to be honest though i feel like every movie that we watch or like trilogy or something we all come out with a completely different point of
0: view like, well i I think that's probably part of the, the reason we're doing this, right? Is that we talk about these things anyway, and we just want to record it and put it yeah. out there. This is for this is this because I, I Brandon has a, has a, an Excel sheet that he had for a few years, which he lost, but then found again. But um, it he basically just kept a catalogue of all the films he'd seen at the cinema and a, a short either summary or greeting of what he thought about it. This is basically our extension of that. where we're talking about films that we've seen recently and we're just having a blast talking about them uh gushing over them or slating them so this is kind of it's kind of like a it's kind of a diary right between the three of us uh we're also going to have guests on and they're going to talk about their favorite films but this is yeah i I don't know what else to say apart from that but um i was i did have a point (laughs) (laughs) This bit might have to be edited. <laughs> <laughs> what were you saying, Brandon? Jog my memory. Just, just finishing points on Robert's
2: end. So you were saying, yeah, I was saying, force your favorite but... Yeah, no. Oh, yeah, I... yeah.
0: So I think part of the reason we're doing this is because we do disagree on things and we talk about disagreements anyway. And I think yeah. some of them are pretty entertaining. So we may as well record them. Um, no, that's fair. And it's also, I think it's nice to have a bit of right as well uh, because we know, well, Robert obviously has a. Well, obvious to us, but not to you, maybe, uh, has a a reputation for having some wild takes <laughs> about films and media. <laughs> um, which I, don't have, I mean, don't we have, have
2: them, though. Like, for example, I think Lord of the Rings is the most overrated trilogy ever. But like, that's like Matthew taking something wrong. You man. know, so, I, think I don't. It's better. <laughs> I
1: don't do you think don't so like really? Lord of the Rings. He thinks Lord of the Rings. Oh, is Oh yeah, yeah. Over. Like,
0: I guess, I guess we all have hot takes then. Uh, everyone has naturally, like, as you like, like, would expect. Like genuinely... Robert just seems to have more. <laughs> yeah.
1: But, but 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 to defend myself. Or just have no fear. You, but to, I have no what, sorry?
0: Or you just have no fear about bringing them up where someone else would.
1: Yeah, no, I have no fear. But I think I think as well. I think nine times out of ten, I do always have a like a decent argument for my point well, of view.
0: That's well. I hope you do, because it's going to be recorded now, and I'm going to be. Trying to weed it out if you don't. Uh, well, that's fair. Well, Bre- <laughs> Brendan can back me up. Yeah, yeah. No, but part yeah. So part of that reason as well is, is I think some of us have some interesting takes, and we all have. A lot of the time, we will be agreeing on maybe broad strokes, but we do agree on, and sometimes we don't even agree on broad strokes. But, uh, like we have a sequel apologist among us. Not not this three, but in our friend groups, so we'll have him on at some point. I think we're gonna do a sequel. We'll do a sequel episode and he'll be on uh, what's because... that what's,
1: what's that be the lowest fuse
0: um, nah,
1: nah, i reckon it'll be the opposite like
0: <laughs> i reckon it'll be the most but it'll People be the worst to episode watch. to film <laughs> it'll be the worst <laughs> episode to film mate I mean, that's gonna be a rough couple hours if you're watching high Dignam. Um... <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah um yeah so i think i think that's part of the justification for it as well is that three of us really like films we like talking about films and we have different opinions on things um so hopefully you get that from these three first three episodes and if not hopefully we keep this going and you will get it from something else um because I'd, I'd rather not make this an echo chamber of oh i love this film and oh yeah i love this film too i and that's fine but even if we love a film we're still gonna try and pick it to par. um but the, these weekly ones will be more discussion based i reckon and then i think there'll be secondary episodes where maybe one of us takes the reins on something we are passionate about in film and, uh, it'll be more of an analysis or, um, like a tier list or something with a bit more production, a bit more, um, scripted n- kind of nature to it rather than just the discussion. Yeah. But these are, these weekly ones will just be informal. Just like, oh, just us chatting shit about films and you getting angry because we don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is what I hope the reaction is. Um, <laughs> Anyway, it's been ten minutes since I said let's talking about let's stop talking about the Jedi so let's stop talking about the Jedi okay. and let's go to number four, which could easily I think any of these could easily be number one the The top five is a very difficult list for me to make. Brandon already had his ready when I suggest when he suggested let's do a top five, I had mine done last night, and I had like a week to think about it and stressed about missing out a film. Whatever. So my honourable my honourable mentions list is probably about twenty or thirty long. So it will just be <laughs> rapid fire at that point. Um, anyway, number four is going to be. Uh, I I I don't want to say it, but it's probably won't make much sense when you, when you see what else is on the list. But I think it's probably the best animated film ever made. Um, is the Prince of Egypt?
1: Mm. Oh, mate, do you know what? <laughs> On your list? No, it's not. It's not on my list. Shocking. But a hundred percent stand by that. That could possibly be like one of the best animated films. Totally stand behind you for that. Yeah, one.
0: it's it's unreal. I, I it's just I, it's fantastic. I just don't know how they've managed to adapt a book of the Bible or part of the a book of the Bible into animated form, make it a banging film, and make it accessible to people who don't even care about religion um, and also have it be universally loved by basically everyone who does who is religious um, as well so it's just it's just when you when you know you can do that when you when your reaction is that that basically everyone regardless of religious background loves your film uh, you know you've hit a winner and i mean dream dreamworks hit a bloody home run like like fair enough shrek was their big break um especially in terms of uh their competition with disney at the time but and i mean disney in this period this is disney at their peak as well in like 19 or maybe just coming out of their peak in the late 90s but That's prince of egypt on, is sort of, yeah like this is probably the same year as hunchback of notre dame probably maybe the year after or something like, like hercules that and, and hercules yeah Shire probably and stitch and uh, yeah. You know, like, so it's, yeah it's around that period so i think tarzan's 99 so it's probably sandwiched between hunchback mulan and tarzan one of those three two oh, of those three I'll, I'll have a quick look up um way. anyway just i don't know what to say like it's bloody fantastic like the music is absurdly good the visuals are incredible the the voice acting's incredible the i remember like i used to talk about my i used to talk about the song with my friend at university a lot and it was like one of the things he always told me was like oh like, like god's voice in the film is val kilmer so it's like a reflection of him kind of talking back to himself and then you look into it and you're like no no it's even more than that god is god's voice in this film is everyone everyone in the cast or at least the main players in the cast i don't know if it's everyone but there's a little bit of everyone in the voice of god and obviously val kilmer's voice comes through probably the most prominent um, yeah. but just like even that idea alone is just great like I don't know. Like it just it it marries three um, D visuals really well. I think as well, where Disney were doing the same thing. Um, they've been doing that since I think Aladdin. Maybe in fact, no, they've definitely been doing it since Beauty and the Beast, where they're kind of incorporating three D, not three D full three D animation, but they're incorporating three D elements to enhance their two D animation. So, for example, the the ballroom scene in Beauty and the mm-hmm. Beast, where you have that big camera sweep come down, the Beast and Belle are both two D hand drawn animated the background is 3D, is a 3D environment mm-hmm. that they're placed in. Um, so the that's Department like 91. Yeah, Tar- well, yeah. The they Jungle pretty much is yeah. <laughs> the <They're
2: laughs> Treasure <laughs> Planet just freaking bolstered the wall. <laughs> yeah. One.
0: Um, but yeah, so this is in that period as well where like Disney's doing a lot of that stuff and they're kind of pioneering that um, as well as obviously you have Pixar who've like pioneered the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you get this little like gem of like Prince of Egypt where like there's clearly 3D elements, but they never stand out as well. And it's just like, I just love this period of animation in general, where you have this like complete renaissance of animation. Not just Disney, just like animation in general, but obviously mostly Disney. And then you get this kind of pioneering thing with the 3D, and then obviously like 10 years later, everyone's doing 3D. Um, and nowadays, Disney aren't even doing 2D at all. But Prince of Egypt, obviously. So Val Kilmer is Joseph. And... Ray Fiennes's uh, Ramesses the Second, and uh, it's just—I don't—I don't know what to say, man. It's just—it's just bloody phenomenal. Uh, well, but like... well,
1: see, see, uh, see, growing up, like uh, you know, growing up in the church, right? We were so limited to like church films, and so you'd have to like—it was either like our Sunday film would be Prince of Egypt or Natural Libre and you know what I mean. It's... <laughs> is Natural Libre
0: a religious film? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's not it,
0: in a way but in like, a way it, it,
1: it was I, more it was more me and my dad just talked utter shit to I like mean, try and convince my mom that that's a really religious thing i wouldn't even film. say
0: naturally; libre is like pro-religion <laughs> you know, like it's <laughs> no, it's just not. he just happens to be like catholic um
1: but uh but yeah like when when you find a hidden gem like that you know on a sunday when you're, you're banned from watching anything unless it's religious and then you pull up the prince's uh, prince of egypt yeah you know it's what I mean? Been, you're And you're like yeah. sitting there, you're like holy I think,
0: cow. I think probably you'll recognise a trend with my films anyway is the ones I've picked are the ones that I can watch any day of the week and every day of the week and never really grow tired of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why Hot Fuzz was originally on the list because that's a comedy I could literally watch like like back to back and enjoy it the second time just as much. But like Prince of Egypt, if I'm coming home for work and I'm thinking oh god I just want to put a film on like my mind will go to like any of these films but like that's probably like my criteria for what constitutes a top five is I can just stick it on and enjoy myself every time I think or... I think
1: I think that's the majority of people's top five would be yeah. the, like being able to rewatch it with Completely.
0: yeah because i think there's there's films that would probably get more of a reaction out of me or i would think probably as a better made film than the ones on my list but these ones are ones that i can i can like i say just put on whenever it's so prince of egypt like i mean obviously the songs are banging but even if thing this thing wasn't a musical like the voice acting's incredible like it's got a great cast but not they don't use the cast in a way where it's like probably one of my criticisms of especially recent films in general but also of like some of the older Disney films from the 90s is that as soon as Robin Williams comes about as the genie they start to really emphasize the um the voice cast being yeah. celebrities and this this voice cast is all celebrities but they never really emphasize it in the same way that I, I would think Disney would where with like Robin Williams where the whole market in is holy shit we got Robin Williams to be in our Disney film mm-hmm. um and like Toy Story is very much, holy crap! Uh, Tom Hanks is Woody. Um, it, this one is 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 different because like Val Kilmer, Ray Fiennes. Um, who's the Who's Seti the first again? Who's the dad? Robert? Do you remember? I could not tell. Or could we get you to fact check, Brandon? Seti. Yeah. Uh, yes.
1: Patrick
2: Stewart.
0: Yes. Patrick Stewart. That's it. So, and it's like, Sandra Bullock's... The cast is, um, the cast assistant. Is freaking stuck. Yeah. I'm looking at this. Yeah, it's man, freaking And, uh, what's his name? Jeff Goldblum Jeff is the... Goldblum. Yep. And the Danny Glover. It, it's, it's stacked, but you never once, like, the only one you really click with, I think, is, uh, whatchamacallum, Jeff Goldblum. As you go, oh, crap, that's Jeff Goldblum. But they never make it like, oh, he's Jeff Goldblum. It's yeah. just like, they're just telling a great story in a great way, in a really mature way. Um... But yeah, I just I don't know. I honestly don't know why they picked the Book of Exodus to adapt, but I, I think I mean, a good it idea. worked out.
2: I've like, not even seen the film, but I think I have a good idea. So, well, I
0: think the thing is, is you're kind of asking for trouble though, because the, I mean, this is not going to get political or <laughs> religious, nah, yeah, yeah. but like a lot of media when they're outside, made by a non-religious organization, and they're adapting some sort of religious media tend to upset the people that they've adapted, or they tend to upset the group of people they're representing. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've ever heard anyone get angry at this, <laughs> like... I, I, I
2: reckon, I reckon, so it's DreamWorks his first film, right? Uh, As an animation? Uh, is it? I believe so.
0: I mean, if it is, yeah. Mate, yeah, can make sure it. Was.
2: So, so I reckon they were just like, right, let's just tell a story most people know, and just get attraction for that, and then cast some stacked daster actors. To then help get first attracted to our first film, yeah. kind of thing, just to help boost it. I think it's as simple as that. I don't think, I don't think. I think
0: is... the other thing is as well is this film has obviously. I think it did. I think it did all right when it came out. I don't think it was like a smash hit, but it did quite well. I think. Um, it's never been. I think it's. It's. I don't think it's. I wouldn't say it was a cult film, but it's definitely garnered more respect as it went on. I think. Um, especially because they had a they had a theater show recently, I think as well. I don't know if that's I don't know if that got cancelled, but apparently that wasn't as good. But anyway, Prince of Egypt just fantastic. I don't know if uh, obviously if there's anything you want to touch on, Robert. Specific scenes that you really like in the film, or so I think.
1: I, th- I think for me, my favorite scene from uh, the whole film is when he. Uh, I. I can't, I can't remember exactly like how it sets up but i just remember he's like he he's he's dreaming or it's like or it's like god sent him a vision or or something and he like he wakes up and it's and it's him like running through the pillars and he's seeing like his you know his his dad in quotes like the you know his the, his
0: the paintings on the wall coming yeah at yeah, the paintings yeah.
1: On the, and i just remember like glyphs. Yeah, 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 and it's like they're dropping the kids, and you know he's yeah. like he's well, super chilling. Dark, and... eh? Oh, it's it's so dark, and I remember being like, "What the heck?" But it's it's always the one scene when I think of Prince of Egypt that I like. I go to immediately, and there's tons of other scenes. Like, see this scene with the burning bush.
0: Yeah, that's it's just incredible, isn't
1: it? It's absolutely gorgeous. Or like, or like when when he finally finds the. Uh, the the little like group of villagers are after like so many days of traveling in the sand and then they're like dancing about with them and he's got his, you know he's like becoming one with
0: like, <laughs> that's a banging song t- I think the problem is <laughs> they're all banging songs but that's a banging song as <laughs> well that is a banging song but it's
1: like every scene it's like one after another it's just like top tier or like when you when you see when you first see them. As old guys and they're like running, not old guys, uh, as like young men and they're like on their carriage, carriages yeah, yeah, storming yeah. through Egypt. they are like, oh, gorgeous.
0: Yeah. And uh, I think we have a, do we have a Sphinx losing the beard gag in this film? Do we? Or is that that Sphinx Aladdin? Uh, definitely an Aladdin, but I don't know. Do they do the the Sphinx losing the nose or something this this uh, in this film?
1: Oh. I think they do. Uh, yeah. Is it not? Is it not the dad loses his nose? Is that going to yeah. become a
0: feature? <laughs> with all the films, they do that that same fucking joke in with the swink losing the beard and the Yeah, um, I believe so. But yeah, and I think my favorite song is probably um, is it "Let My People Go." That that's the main lyric, but is that what that, it's called? That
1: is that's a, a solid song.
0: It's just fantastic, and the visuals in that song are great as well. With the 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 color, the the red and the blue and stuff, it's just. Mm-hmm. It's 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 fantastic, and even you get. I like the duo. The the not magicians. They're magicians in real life, but like the
1: the the two the two like yeah the the ones who like make the staffs into snake.
0: But that's um, Steve Martin and Martin Short. Yeah, and they're great, and they have a great song as well. Um, Through heaven's eyes. That's such. That is that that is a great song. But yeah, uh I mean the score as well, I think the score is Hans Zimmer as well, right? Um I'll quickly... which makes sense because it's fantastic. Um but yeah, I, I don't know I don't actually know what else to say but Prince of Egypt. I, I could do I could do a video a separate video on all of these films, but um I haven't seen this is probably the one I haven't seen in the longest time out of the list. It is
2: Hans Zimmer. Is... Yeah, Honestly, is...
0: like probably just like cinematically, just like probably one of the most flawless films I've ever watched. I literally couldn't. I couldn't find. I'd be hard pressed to find faults with it if I even tried. Um, it's just a good time, mate, and it just gets a pretty big reaction out of me towards the end as well. Um, speaking of,
2: It's watch. yeah,
0: I guess another part of why we're doing this as well is that we've all obviously seen different films. We've all grown up differently and watched different films, or different films have meant different things to us. So it's interesting that I think part of the interest for me doing this uh will be one seeing films i haven't seen and talking about those especially ones with a reputation for being really good like classics but also like brandon says so me and robert have obviously grown up with this film and have really high respect for it brandon hasn't seen it hasn't seen mu- haven't doesn't know anything about it. it so like, like it, i think it'll be interesting discussion as well where you songs. can kind of see our like nostalgic <laughs> so... point of view of we love this film and we always love this film versus his i have no clue and then just going into it fresh and then yeah i think that'll be yeah. an interesting thing as well
1: so like like so like we go in watching each other's top five well not even necessarily to, I mean, top out, five sure but know, like
0: just go beyond that just films in general like oh, right. um because oh, right. there, are, there are some probably. films that i probably should have watched by now that i haven't especially since we're starting a film podcast uh you'll probably be very disappointed in some of the films we haven't seen um but that's the point that's the the point though as you're saying it's more of a journal where it's like right so for example like brandon Brandon hasn't seen mary tarantino's films which some people would say if you're starting a film podcast that's like 101 that's your basic films to watch yeah but like that's the (laughs) thing it'll be interesting because me and robert like really like tarantino films and a lot of other friends do as well so and brandon it's kind of new to these films uh, or at least new to watching them in like one big go so uh, with that said, yeah. number three, um, Interstellar. Fair
1: Just be fair <laughs> enough. Okay, number two. You have to <laughs> fair, under, yeah. understand. Like, what are you gonna say? Like, <laughs> mate, I think. Like, I literally watched that the other week. And and I remember you like saying some points earlier on in the year about why you love it so much. Just, and I was like, yeah, it's just "Yep, just yep, absurd. Yep, yep.
0: How good it looks. <laughs> how good it is. Like, it's just absurd. And like the fact it's like, I like Nolan does this really well. And obviously, this is what he's kind of known for. Is taking like some weird ass concept uh, that people, the public, aren't tend doesn't tend to be familiar with, and then just." makes a story out of it and then you can kind of maybe not understand what's going on but you can at least keep track of what's going on in a broad sense that makes sense in the story but doesn't necessarily make Mm -hmm. sense in terms of you know exactly what's going on and why um a big part of that for me is as i studied astrophysics so i get asked about this film quite a lot and whenever i'm watching it i'm expected to understand it which to a degree i do but (laughs) um
1: is it, is, it, is it? When when he goes into the book, the book, yeah, the, the I, bookshelf. I, I don't like think there's
0: any, any physics for the the magic bookshelf, um, but like to be honest, <laughs> the magic bookshelf is like the only bit in the film I think that's actually like, and obviously the time ripple that it creates, but like it's like the only thing that's kind of out there. Everything else I think is based in real science, because um, I remember watching videos of them yeah. having like a proper like consultant on hand or multiple consultants on hand for like the physics and can this actually happen and what are the calculations and all that and it's like if I was making a film or if I was trying to write something like that's the kind of things I would be looking at that's the things I kind of respect is um, actually trying to make something cohesive with reality in terms of you can tell a great story but also have it be you can tell a great fictional out there sci-fi film and it still be realistic enough um, so that you can't pick it apart straight away Um, but even failing that just the emotion in this film is just mental like i i just it's the bit with the bootcase when he's crying behind and he's like don't go like don't like shout to himself and i'm like how can you not like how can you not just go like it's such a i don't know like that moment and um no time for caution is just i think i don't know if it's the scene i think it might be the music but obviously with the scene works even better but The score in this film is just, again, Hans Zimmer, what are you going to say? Like, that hasn't already been said. But No Time for Caution is probably the single piece of music that I'm aware of, that I can listen to, and it will just set me off. Like, I I don't even know why. I I don't even think it's that, like, I wouldn't even say it's the most emotional piece of music I've ever heard, but it just, it does something to me, and I don't understand it, and I love it. Um, but that that scene with the the dock docking uh, when obviously when Matt Damon's character just <laughs> blows himself the fuck up, um, and then the the the, the, the spaceship is just spinning, and then they have to match the velocity, and it's just the music swells, and it's like, jeez it's just it's just incredible. It's like where you, where else are you gonna get that? Like that just doesn't exist.
2: We watched it. We watched it not long ago, like that scene, and we're saying like, if you take the music out. Like it, it, it changes the vibe. Like by, and I don't know if you can say about any music piece in any film, but like I think you're right. Like, the, the music makes the scene.
0: Yeah. you know, hundred percent. It colors it. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to get snobby, but like the music is not what you would expect for a tension, like a scene of tension like that. Um, it's just I don't know. Like I don't, I don't know how else to describe it. I think my problem, my only lull in this film is the when they reach Matt Damon's character's planet. It starts to lull a little bit for me there. And on first watch, because I was pretty late to this film, um, watching it, but I remember being a bit like, "Oh yeah, I kind of expected Matt Damon to be a bad guy." I was just kind of waiting for it to happen. But um, I think part of the reason he cast Matt Damon is probably so you wouldn't expect it. You know, like, you expect him to be, like, a good character because he usually is some sort of protagonist. He's never usually the bad guy. Yeah. Um, So I think that's part of the reason maybe why he is that character is that you expect him not to be the bad character. But um, I don't... I'm not the biggest fan of that. Like, it makes sense, and I I like it, and I like what it sets up and all that, and it raises the stakes, but... uh, It's probably the biggest lull in the film, that part, for me. But I think Michael Caine's amazing. Um, Even Topher Grace, bloody Venom himself, bloody... What's his name? Eddie Brock. Yeah, man, he's it, he's great. Well,
1: he, I think he's such an underrated actor as well. Like everything he's in, he's, except for
0: I think he's getting a bit, of, he's getting a bit of the respect now, right? He's he's been in a few things recently. He was in was he in Black Mirror and stuff like that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's. I think he's getting his piece now. I think maybe I don't know if it was Eddie Brock that set him off on, <laughs> on the wrong foot a little bit, or if it was just uh, he took a break. I don't know. I'm not that familiar, but because he was in, was he in Black Klansman as well? Was yeah, he, he was. was. He was the uh, yeah, like the the leader, the leader. Yeah, 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 he was really great in that as well, actually. Um, but yeah, I—I I mean, you guys can—you want, you want anything to add to Interstellar? I mean, I'm assuming uh, Nolan's probably on one of your lists. He's not on
1: any. He's not on any of mine. Which? No. He—he's really in my top ten, but he's not—he's not in my.
0: Nolan uh, films.
1: Uh, he's my absolute favorite
2: director, so he is definitely. Okay. Okay. Good.
0: Well, sneak peek for episode two then. Okay.
2: Um, um, no, my my thought on Interstellar is that I, I've had a bit of a weird build up with it because when it first came out, I heard a review and it must have been a hot take because the review was saying it was pretty average for a Nolan film. So I just never really bothered uh, until the year of twenty twenty
0: one. You know.
2: Because I've, I've we've actually. Nicer, Sorry.
0: That's that's pretty similar pretty similar beginnings to me actually with the film as well i remember uh you'll never watch this but so i can say it probably my old scout leader i remember he went to cinema and he was telling me about it and he was like yeah it was it was all right it wasn't great and i was like all right i'll just log that in my brain and never watch this film and then sat on the couch one night and just had like a out-of-body experience watching this (laughs) um but like so pretty much
2: like by you guys and people at my work at the time at the cinema to like oh my god, it's like a ten out of ten film. How can you call yourself a film fan and not see about the Interstellar*? And I was like, you know what? Fine. And then, bro, I was like, fucking crying on my couch watching it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, so it says it all there. I do love it. It's great. It's not my favorite little film. It's definitely like top. Maybe three well, or I think
0: four, this is but... part of the thing as well. It's probably. There's a few Star Wars films that could have made the top five. There's a few Nolan films that could have made my top five, and there's a yeah. few Tarantino films that could have made my top five. Yeah. The point is, there's um, a lot of good films. <laughs> there's a lot of good films, and five is a horrible number to condense them into. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Um, but we'll, we'll get the chance of talking to talk about them more than Elaine, I'm sure. Yeah. So.
0: And I'd like to do some themed episodes anyway, with like Tarantino in general. Yeah. Like a general episode in Tarantino and a general episode in Nolan and all that. Um, obviously Oppenheimer this this year. I mean. Could not be more hyped for a film
1: I mean mm. I'm just I'm just hyped for going from Oppenheimer to Barbie in the same day that's what I'm hyped for <laughs> yeah, that's definitely the fun <laughs> so, I'll
0: go see open choice right. Um, right. <laughs> oh, okay. right. right right um okay number two is probably if anyone has ever known me at any point in my life knows what number two is I think i have an idea <laughs> and i don't i don't know why it's number two because it would probably be, it probably should be number one yeah but i uh it's number two and it's back to the future and great I, <laughs> this guy <laughs> um but yeah i i don't know um What's... this was my favorite film as a teenager by a long shot to the point where I think when I was in second year, which would have been about 12 or 13 years old, I did watch it every day for about three weeks straight. Um, but I don't know, like, I I was even looking up some films because I was kind of struggling for my top five. I was, like, really thinking I'd miss something big out. Um, but I was looking at, like, best films from the 80s, and this, for some reason, is, like, near the bottom of the top 100. And there are a lot of films above this that are, nowhere near as good as this film and this film has no right to be as good as it is and it's absolutely spectacular um it's just like it's just iconic scene it just jumps from iconic scene to iconic scene and the writing is flawless the comedy is flawless It's exactly what it needs to be um and it kind of comes at that right point in the 80s as well where um you can get away with batshit stuff like this um like ghostbusters and et and stuff like that where it's just like the hell is going on behind the scenes like what kind of drugs are you guys taking but <laughs> i i also just like where this film comes from um in terms of uh oh, is it bob Gar? no bob girl yeah, what's his name bloody
2: hell what is it, what are you thinking
0: of? there's two writers there so like robert zemeckis directed it but the writer was bob or bill something that's bob, right. Yeah. at the bottom. Bob Bob Gale yeah yeah so obviously I think the idea came from he was going through his dad's um high school yearbook and he was like what would it be like like if I was in my dad's year at school if I went back in time would I be friends with him and then that was kind of where the idea came from of like Marty hanging out with his dad um but like that's one I mean, thing like behind the scenes stuff and the behind the scenes stuff for this one's great as well um and it just feels like I don't know it just feels like the perfect cast the perfect writers the perfect director like Roberts again. Roberts and Mecca's films could make up like my entire list. Like, do not put Who Frames Roger Rabbit, uh, Who Frames Roger Rabbit, on my top five. Just felt like an absolute tragedy. But um, I just I couldn't justify putting two Roberts Mecca's films on when I was also trying to fit a Tarantino film and a Nolan film and all this. But um, as well as Disney films uh, or like Pixar. Um, hint hint. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I could quote this film endlessly. And it's just like i I want to own everything from this film, even just the background crap that's just like scattered on a table, like I just would pay like a hundred million pounds <laughs> just for like <laughs> to have any of it like um and obviously I think I haven't seen it yet, but um Michael G. Fox has his new documentary out as well, yeah, and obviously he's like this is him at his peak because obviously he didn't have much of a choice in where to go from there, but um and like I mean when I say like Star Wars. Return of the Jedi, that's my favourite of the three, but I could again it could just be the three as a collective. This is kind of the same where I just love all three films so much it could be all three films into one. And these ones kind of fit, I guess, because they're they extend right on from each other, but um it I, yeah. I'd like two, I always love two and three, and trying to pick my favourite just felt like again, awful. But then on a recent rewatch, just one just knocks it out of the absolute park, like. Yeah, could not be better.
2: Yeah, we did a recent um, rewatch, and in my opinion, I think one is one of those films you could describe as a perfect film. Like, there's, like, there may be flaws, but like, it's just, it's just, it's, it's like you said, it's just enjoyable start to finish. You know, you can just have a laugh from it. Yeah, but it's also not just a joke. It's like actually good as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah it's, I think I think it's it's not one of my favorite films, but it's like as you said, like it's definitely. Like, it's 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 too good not to not enjoy, it kind of thing. Um, yeah, you know. And, and again, like this is speaking like like we're what, what 23, 24. This film came out in what eighty So it's like, that, it's not like us saying, "Oh, it's nostalgia for us." Like we didn't grow up during this time. This is us looking back and appreciate. Yes, yeah. I guess
0: we did grow. I like I definitely grew up with it, so I can have nostalgia from my own childhood rather than the eighties themselves, yeah. but
1: see i didn't I, I didn't actually watch it until like two years ago
0: bloody hell
1: yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. i had i don't know what it was like i just like this... th- why
0: I... are we doing a phone podcast together <laughs> that's, that's shocking it was
1: it was just a thing of like my like my parents both like, they, they grew up with different types of films. And my dad was very, like, you know, it was either, like, Lord of the Rings or the original Planet of the Apes or, like, anything with Sylvester Stallone or Arnold, right? While my mom was, like, Neverending Story and very, like, like the prin- uh, princess, princess and the right. Bride. You know, so, like, films like that and Back to the Future just never, like... It just somehow missed and just never like clicked in. Jeez, oh. Just so like oh. growing up, I never. Okay, so but even like in high school, you would talk about it. Oh man, and I wouldn't share. And about I just, it. I had no, I had no idea what you're talking about.
0: Oh, you do and... remember?
1: Yeah, of course I remember. <laughs>
0: of course, <laughs> 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 of course. And
1: uh, and it wasn't. I think it was on like Netflix or something. And I was like, you know, and all three of them were on. And I was like, you know what? I probably should watch this. So,
0: what's your opinion then?
1: i really liked them i think it, they're it's one of those films where it's personally not like uh i wouldn't say they're like my favorite films or anything like that but i i did have like a good uh like i really enjoyed watching it and i i did it i really experienced uh, sorry i had a really good experience but the only the the one complaint i had is i didn't really I found when three came with like the the cowboy was it the cowboys yeah like the cowboy s kind of thing, I I didn't enjoy it as much as I enjoyed the second film. I found that it kind of like the first one was solid and the second one went up and then the third one kind kind of came kind of uh, came back. I down think a
0: little bit. that is a sentiment shared by a lot of people, but I wholeheartedly disagree. <laughs> No, that's, but yeah, that's totally i don't think way. you're in the minority there though i think a lot of people think that three's a little bit of a step down
1: but it's it's not like it's not like it's a, a bad film yeah. in any in any way but like looking back two is the most memorable one like i i i think i think right. two really
0: i think two for a long time was yeah i think i agree but i think in in, in adulthood i've kind of come to appreciate. I don't know. I don't, well, not even that. I probably would have said up until we last rewatched them, I probably would have said two is my favourite as well. But then we rewatched them and I thought, damn, that first one was just like, absolutely knock out of the park. And then the second one is a knock out of the park as well, but I don't think it's quite quite the same. But it's yeah. just, I, I, again, I can't even fault the second one, really. Um, having said that, there is one shot, not a scene, not anything, just a single shot in the entire trilogy that I would take out, and that's in the second well, film which is what show's that? in the tunnel when he's on the hoverboard. Mm-hmm. And the shot of him from the front is great because it's actually Michael J. Fox on, like, a, a rig moving through. And obviously they've just edited out all the strings and all that guff mm-hmm. and the cars behind him. They then do, like, a single shot, which is maybe CG, like, early CG, or it's, like, filmed on a different type of film or the lighting was wrong or something. But it goes to, like, a profile shot of just his legs. And it's him, like, skating on the ground. Like, putting his feet on the ground to, like, push the hoverboard forward. And it's clearly not Michael J. Fox's legs. And it's one of those things where, like, as a kid, you don't notice that. As an adult, I'm like, I notice it. And every time I watch the film, I close my eyes at that point. Because I'm like, it just makes the experience better just for me to not see that. Because it annoys me. Is that, so...
1: is, that, is that the bit where Doc saves him again? Yep. Do you know what? I watched a video uh, yesterday, and it was... And I thought it was really interesting. Um, you can, like, correct me if I'm just talking utter shit, because, like, I'm not, you know, it, I'm not, like, an expert in Back to the Future. But they were saying that every... There's, like, certain times where Doc saves Marty. So, like, the first time is when he jumps off the, the tower building, the building on, like, the clock tower or right. something like that, when, like, the bullies going to, like, shoot him or something. And then, like, there's the tunnel scene there but they were saying that like originally Marty dies and and Doc has gone back in time and like knows the exact spot and like oh, place that I he
0: meant right you, but, you, I okay. I see what you mean. You, so you're uh, that's is that like a fan theory of he's like how does Doc know where he is sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or that he needs saved, and it's like he's probably been in a timeline where Marty didn't get saved and died, so he knows where he is supposed to die.
1: Yeah, and I I thought that was quite interesting. And I don't know if it's like a canon thing or uh, if it just someone came up with that. But I would I, say I that's
0: like... probably not canon. Right. In fact, I would almost definitely say that's not canon.
1: That's fair. I just thought it was interesting. But I was like, oh, cool.
0: fair play. I don't even, I'm not even sure if, does the time work that way in, I don't know. Or maybe it was,
1: maybe it was a thing of, like, Marty dies in that timeline, and Doc goes back in time, because he knows. I think, well, I think that's the thing with
0: Back to the Future as well, right, is, like, there is, I guess there is timelines, but there's, like, it's very, like, it's not, like, out of scope like it is with, like, Multiverse nowadays, where it's just, like, anything goes, like, the timeline is very rigid, I think. Yeah. Um obviously part two goes a bit more wild with like hell valley but it's still like you know i mean like marty still exists and doc still exists they're just in different places it's not like there's like some wacky time shiz that makes them like non-exist or whatever um but yeah i think i don't know i just like even just the scene where they first test it and like his clock like einstein's clock is a minute behind just like even just watching that is like when I was younger, it just like, blew your freaking mind. Like It just looked like... Some of the CG doesn't hold up, and some of the effects maybe don't hold up, but this film, I don't know. You, like, you just can't. And like, even just little details, like he knocks down the, 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 the pine tree, he comes back to the future, and it's like it's Twin Pines Mall's been turned into Lone Pine Mall. And then they continue that on until like, the third film, where uh, Clayton Ravine, because Clara went over in the original timeline... And then she gets saved, so it becomes, like, it stays Shonash Ravine, which is probably its original kind of native name, I guess. And then uh, Marty obviously goes back in time, back to the future, in the DeLorean, but everyone in the past will think he's just driven off a cliff off the train tracks, so they call it Eastwood Ravine sort of thing. Stuff like that, where it's just, like, you wouldn't even notice it if you weren't looking for it, but, like, it's just, like, nice stuff like that, where it's just, like, you know there's a tension in it, and it's mostly physical effects. Like the car's a car. Like nowadays like the car would not exist. It just wouldn't exist. Yeah. And it comes at this perfect time in cinema, which I'm really nostalgic for. It's like the late seventies, like up until the early nineties of just like absolutely pushing where physical effects can take you. Yeah. And I just think it's such a shame that that's that been lost, and that'll probably be a theme from all of our episodes. But um yeah, it's just it's it's just a, such a good looking film. It it's funny in all the right places it's heartfelt in all the right places and it's it's a weird it's it's a weird film yeah, like he's you, getting hit you, on you by can his make, mom you could like, make it today you could make it today, yeah yes. no and <laughs> mate, these guys these guys took this film to disney at one point yeah. like they were like no chance are we making this like guy get hit on by his own mom mm-hmm. um which completely understandable yeah. but it's that's the thing right in any other film that would be so weird so weird and even in this film i guess is when you grow up it is a little strange but like you never once go like oh like are like not, not when you're not supposed to sort of thing yeah you never yeah, play yeah. it in like a weird way like whenever you do go oh it's because the character is also going oh it's it's because um, the tone's been set as like right yeah you're not
2: taking this film absolutely seriously you know it's supposed to be a joke you know what i mean it's not like yeah like, like don't deep but it even you know
0: just like little like things like people in the 50s had like their name written on their underwear i don't know why that was but they did and like she takes that as like his name's calvin klein it's not like he said <laughs> and made up a name calvin klein she read his oh, underwear and it's like such yeah. a nice little detail Yeah, right? were
2: about the tab joke the other day as well oh yeah really that's big big probably my that.
0: favorite joke in the film like some of my favorite exchanges in the film are like just little like background things where it's like um where like the the the, the black um like assistant in the cafe. Obviously, he goes on to become mayor. But in the fifties, obviously, the civil rights movement and all that kind of stuff hasn't followed through and happened yet. So there's still obviously like segregation and uh, yeah, uh, not so positive view to put it in a very light manner. Um, <laughs> And so, like, he's like sweeping the floor, and he's like, one day I'm going to clean up this town and whatever. And he's like, good, you can start by sweeping the floor. And it's just like, just little things like that that aren't yeah. even like the focus. And like, the, like, when he walks into the bar, and obviously, um, in the UK, I obviously I didn't get this joke as a kid because like, we didn't have tab in the UK. That's a US drink, I think. It's like a pink can it came in. I think it was like a Pepsi product, but I don't know what it was. But anyway, he goes in and he asks for a tab. And obviously, to a, 50, a guy in the 50s, a tab is like a receipt or oh, like yeah. like like your tab at the bar like it's what you've ordered it's Like an order, um, yeah. yeah and he's like well i can't give you a tab unless you order something and he's like oh um well give me a pepsi free pepsi free in the 80s is like pepsi zero sort of thing mm-hmm. and then he's like like you want a pepsi kid you got to pay for it sort of thing yeah and man. then he's like well just give me some of the sugar and he gives him black coffee and he's just like it's just it's just a great exchange and it's like I don't know. Like, I just feel like that kind of writing of like off the cuff, very like casual, conversational, um, like fish out of water. Like whenever you see a fish out of water story, because that's kind of what this is as well. Where he's in the wrong time, he's lost in the wrong time, and they don't emph- They emphasize obviously big things as well, but they're emphasizing little things as well. Where there's just little things that, even though he's living in the same place, he's living in the same country, he's living in the same town, that he just the whole lingo changed, and he's like, he, he talks about John F. Kennedy, and, like, who the hell is that? And it's like, John F. Kennedy Drive, they're not even talking about the guy. Or the, um, the
2: Ronald Reagan is like, he's
0: an actor! <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's right, yeah, it's a good joke, that's right, it's a good joke. And obviously, at the time, Ronald Reagan is president in 85, yeah. so, like, it's an even better joke back then. No, it's, but, good. It's, um, a, it's a very
2: clever, clever. Yeah, it's so clever.
0: That is. That, it's, you're right, knock it on the head with that. Clever. It's just so clever, mm-hmm. and uh, and if you hate this film, I don't trust you. Like, <laughs>
2: <laughs> and it's hard to hate, though. It's hard. That's what
0: I mean. You're just not a nice person if you don't like this film. Like, who the hell <laughs> do you not think it's you not are? Your like...
2: type the comedy or whatever, but it's like, come on! But you—that's an easy film to just put on. If it's not
0: your type of comedy, it. you're not—you're not a humorous person. Like, <laughs> it's just—it like—if you don't like this film, that says more about you than it does about the film. <laughs> that would, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, this film is flawless.
1: We are—we're—we're we're totally not judgmental at all. Absolutely.
0: Not. Um. No, we're, we're ignorant and proud, and we will judge you for, uh, for your knowledge. Yeah. Um, anyway, number one. Didn't expect it to be number one. It's definitely my favorite Pixar you know, film. I, I genuinely
1: but... I genuinely thought Back to the Future was your number one. Like, when you said, this yeah. is number two, I but you say, know. what? But,
0: you, you know, when I was putting up my top five, I, I had it at number one as default, Yeah. and it, it just didn't feel right. I don't know why. I just surprised myself. But yeah. I
2: think I think you gave me a little hint of what your first is going to be, and so, I think I watched it today, so I've got, I've got very mate, well... <laughs> this
0: is just one of these films where not only does it, like... Not only does it, like, is it enjoyable to watch every time, but it absolutely hits me right in the stomach, right in the heart, every time I watch it, and it's just... I don't know. I don't know what... like thing is, as a kid, it's a Pixar film. As a kid, didn't even didn't even like it i liked it but it didn't do much for me as a kid but i growing up it is far and away just like an unbelievable film um Raktoui, number one yeah, um, I mean, fair enough like I, again like it just i don't know it's just it just absolutely like i don't know what to say like it's just amazing and i can come home and i can watch it any and every day of the week and it'll land every time the jokes will land every time, the characters are amazing, like just the whole vibe is just amazing. Like I mean, it's Paris, obviously, but like I don't I don't even think they play it into Paris as much as a like a modern especially modern animated film would. So like for example, the trailer for LEO just dropped, the new Pixar film. Yes. And most of the focus is on well, I don't know, it's just it looks a bit ass, but like um like it just you know what I mean, like you watch you know old Pixar special, but even within old Pixar, Ratatouille for me is special. Yeah. And uh I don't know, like again, like I say, like I didn't even like it that much as a kid. Like I watched it but I didn't like love it. Um or I did love it, but not in the way I do now. Um It was always Toy Story Two growing up. And i could easily made this list as well but ratatouille is just brad bird hitting on all cylinders there's like creativity out the wazoo um and just like it's a really intelligent film it just takes itself serious enough where you're if you're watching it for like a mature as like a mature audience you can get so much out of it and if you're watching it in terms of like showing your kids it's a fun rap film about a rat cooking like a rat they cook. A rat they cooked. Yeah, like that's the hook. But then like within it it's like such a, a great story, and I think probably one of my favourite sentiments and lines from a film is um Ego's Anton Ego's uh, monologue at the end mm. with uh um, yeah. when he's like I finally understand what gusto meant and uh he says uh not anyone can cook, but a good cook can come from anywhere. And just to have, like, to set up at the start of the film, because for me, I'm not, I, and the guys will know this, but for me, a big thing in films that kind of bothers me nowadays, is, and not even nowadays, but even in old films as well, is uh, the kind of superficial, um, like, mantra or superficial motto or, like, message in old films, uh, in some films, is just be nice just be a nice person or just believe in yourself and you'll get whatever you want and just chase your dreams and you'll get them. And this film's like, starts off telling you that like Gusto is like the hopeful, like he's anyone your, he's cook. your, he's your Walt <laughs> yeah, Disney like, sort of thing. Like he's yeah. your, like your granddad telling you like anyone can cook. And I believe in anyone can cook and you can, if you put your mind to it, you can cook. And, uh, and then by the end of the film, you have the critics point of view, which is, well, our reading of his optimism is maybe too much, too optimistic, and that actually, um, maybe some of us don't have what it takes. But when Probably people do good. have, yeah. But when people do have what it takes, that it's nothing to do with where they've come from, or mm-hmm. it's, it shouldn't be restricted by where they've come from, um, and who they are, and and just. I don't know it's just such a great message um and i just can't believe it's in a kids film <laughs> like well,
2: that's the thing that's the thing if like peak pixar and disney like like when they're good they just hit all yeah all and, ages like all ages can well, enjoy. this is the
0: thing right because like it, in in effect like star wars george proclaims is a kids film but obviously you've got an audience of like everyone from like two to seventy who enjoy it. Or but upwards.
2: Like, we went to the most recent Star Wars celebration. There was everyone ten percent on kids. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're lucky okay if ten percent. Yeah. I mean,
0: that's what I mean by that's what I meant kind of earlier by George's thing as well, where it's like, well, George might be making this for kids, but it's applicable to everyone. Yeah, um yeah. and this is the thing, it's not about like um any superficial <laughs> modern or non modern take that you can put on it. It's a story at the end of the day, and it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from you like stories everyone like mm-hmm. of some sort like whether it's not about even films like if it's about photography or music there's still stories in there um or feelings and, and emotions and stuff and it's like i think nowadays especially i think a, a bit of sense of frustration from me and probably you guys as well is that some films seem like they're only for some people yeah and yeah. i think pix. i think pics are i think that's okay like because obviously tarantino films aren't for kids so you're allowed to pick your demographic but um
1: i think exactly in terms of me. in terms of disney films I'm especially star?
0: sorry i'll i'll quick, i'll make it quick and then you can talk okay. um but in terms of disney and pixar films especially and kids films in general nowadays is a lot of the time it feels like so for example turn and red for me uh, huge pixar fan i've seen every pixar film i love pixar even some of the duds or like what people consider duds um i can find good things in them but turn and red for me I just, it wasn't that I particularly had an issue with, oh, I don't like this about the film, I don't like that about the film. It just, this film clearly wasn't for me. Um, and my issue with that is, is that Pixar was never for anyone. Pixar was for everyone. Um, and this might sound a bit whiny or whatever, or like, oh, I'm not getting my own way, but like, Pixar shouldn't be for anyone. It should be, for, like, my grand can watch Pixar, my dad can watch Pixar, I can watch Pixar, your kids can watch Pixar, and they can all find something that they enjoy. And I didn't feel that in the last few Pixar films and Disney films, and it's I think that's where they're failing is now is films are for certain people, and f- films like that should not be for certain people, um, mm-hmm. because Turning Red is clearly for young teenage girls, which is fine, but I don't I don't know I. I
2: but then they can they can be like, well, yeah, but the was for young lads, so we we're making one for them. One for Fair for I don't but... I don't I don't like that though. I, I'm agreeing with you because, yeah. like I said, I've done a rewatch of Pixar films, and up to this point, every single one of them, bar maybe one or two, like anyone can watch them. Everyone can relate to Finding Nemo in some way. Everyone can relate to Ratatouille. Well, or
0: this B. is the thing, right? So, like Finding Nemo will probably hit harder for parents as well because. The subject. But if you're around, a it's kid, like a you kid. can
2: relate to Nemo, being like, oh, I hate when my dad like it's so needy and stuff, but just let me be a kid, exactly. you know? But then, as a parent, you totally vibe with Marlon, because like I, was, I, hated Marlin as a kid. But like now, I'm like, bro, I'm like the most protective of big brother. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I totally get it. You know, it's like absolutely. And so this
0: isn't even yeah. me trying to hate on *Turning Red*, because obviously this is more of a celebration of what we like about films. But oh, yeah. it's just like that, like *Coco*. I got that vibe from *Coco*. Coco's about family. Everyone, like mm-hmm. the whole thing centers around family, non family. And... Obviously, it's set in Mexico, oh. and obviously, um, the culture there is different and the heritage there is different but the idea of having heritage remembering people you've lost that's universal even though the setting is not universal the problem with turn and red was is that even though you could apply that and say well just as miguel was mexican and you can't relate to mexican culture um i can't even remember her name in turn and red but she's asian and it's like well you can find something to relate in that but i it, i found it hard and it's i think they failed in that and that they restricted their audience to. I, I see a lot of people online um, commenting who are like Asian families, and they say, "Well, the overbearing." Like, I don't know if it's stereotypical, but like, obviously, Asian parents are kind of known for being quite overbearing at times, or certainly Asian parents. Um, and a lot of people connected with that in the Asian community, which is fine. But when your film rests on that linchpin, and I can't relate to that as as much as say an Asian person could, and it's, I'm not saying don't tell that story, but I think if you're trying to tell a pic, like Pixar should be for everyone, and it's just it when it's not hitting that for everyone, it's it's um yeah. it's really strange. I can't and the thing is I can't see my grand like in that film. I can't see my mum like in that film, my dad won't like that film, I don't like the film. So yeah. and even young kids, like obviously they're gonna like the big red panda, but failing that, it's like there's some mature scene there's some mature content, but I don't think it's mature in the sense of emotionally mature. I think it's just mature content in terms of obviously it's an allegory for uh, like periods and and, uh, puberty. Um, And the problem is, is that when you have kids who are not taught about puberty, purposefully not taught about puberty until they're old enough, why would you make a film for kids about puberty when they actually don't know what it is? And I could imagine some parents being kind of frustrated with the idea that their kid is going to be asking questions about the film uh, to do with puberty that maybe they're not ready to tell them about. And now these kids are... Have these thoughts? Have these questions? That maybe they're yeah. not ready for. I never thought about that, actually. Yeah, I mean that might not be the case for a lot of people, but obviously it might be the case for some people, and it's obviously. I,
2: I definitely remember hearing that when it first came out. Yeah. But like to bring it back to Ratatouille, though, it's like you you mentioned how it's like Turning Red is a like film for the Asian culture and stuff. Well, Ratatouille is like it's set in France, but like France like has literally nothing to do yeah. with like that. Well, yeah, story Fran- France
0: setting. is the setting, but <laughs> it's not, an, and they use France to its benefit um and mm. like even to like make fun of it there's but... french characters
2: like yeah. connect oh, yeah. and stuff like that. like all, all of them are french you know but... it's, it's not the point mm. of the
0: well the like like the thing right so like coco is set in mexico and it takes full advantage of being set in mexico yeah. um in terms of music anyway maybe not in terms I of like it visiting should,
2: though, it's got a unique look to yep. it and stuff as well you know? like, but it's
0: not the, like like coco doesn't coco probably doesn't take advantage of like all of mexico in terms of like going to mexico city or something like that um yeah. or like Touching on the culture as a whole, but it touches on the the very family centered culture that they have, and then it obviously being an American studio, they kind of Americanize it or Westernize a kind of, um, even though Mexico's in the West, but like Westernize that kind of culture to kind of make it applicable to everyone, regardless of your family background or whatever. Like you say, Ratatouille, the setting probably doesn't. Like, you could probably set ratatouille anywhere. The only reason it's set in Paris is because Paris is where all the fine dining and that kind of thing is. And yeah. uh, ratatouille,
2: the dish is actually founded in France as well, apparently. So, I did right. some research on that. So, um, yeah, yeah. And I think there's a big rat issue there as well. Well, they, they could have set it out. in London or then. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> being yeah. there last week, definitely. But, um,. That's yeah. a
2: great choice, though. I, forget, honestly, yeah. I watched it this morning, and it's, it holds up it's, so well. And I think great. it means more as an adult than it yeah. does as a child. And I
0: think when you look at Brad Bird as a director as well, and you look at The Incredibles and The Simpsons and all that, uh, he's just so great. And even even his like duds, I quite like. Even Tomorrowland, like I have a soft spot for that film, even though I know it's not great. Um, and what's the, other, what's the other Brad Bird film that came out? Oh, yeah. Incredibles 2. I think Incredibles 2 is probably his big dud for me, where that isn't great but I know there's behind the scenes issues with that but Ratatouille is just I think it's its the best Pixar's ever been it's the most mature Pixar's ever been in terms of maybe not specific um, story content like, like con- content within the film but it's probably the most mature message from a Pixar film and obviously Pixar films are known for that anyway um, rather than just giving you the kind of happy ending, they give you a kind of secondary happy ending. Make the right? restaurant shut down. Like, oh, so,
1: so well, that's what ending, I mean. You know? Yeah.
0: <laughs> but like even like other films do that as well. Like Lightning McQueen doesn't win the Piston Cup. Yeah. He gives it up. And like, um, whatchamacallit? Uh, well, if you pick um, well, like Find an Nemo, I guess that one does. I don't know. I mean, Pixar's kind of known for like doing that a bit though, right? Where, um, <laughs> I'm struggling for examples now like like obviously, like 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 up, like Carl and Ellie don't get to Paradise Falls, they never get there, yeah. but then by the end of the film, mm-hmm. like they've been there done like they have the whole story, and then he goes back, um they don't get their dream sort of thing, um and obviously, like Remy doesn't get his dream of being working in Gusto's, um or like but you know, he has his own well, actual, yeah, so it's
2: like that's what he met yeah, exactly know, that's still... the
0: whole, yeah, the whole point yeah. And it's just it's just fantastic. And like Anton Ego is, I think I think his Anton Ego is a pretty underrated character because you focus on you focus on Remy yeah. and you focus on the meal and you focus on Linguini and Colette, and An- Anton Ego gets like only a few scenes, and he's just fantastic. And obviously it's a meme with like him eating the Ratatouille and going back in time, but like it's just
2: it's, it's such a good scene. Though. It it it, 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 but yeah. even
0: I love the scene. I I. It, 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 like, again, I'm not, I don't want to be, like, too emotional about it, but, like, the last scene just gets me as well when he's in the new restaurant and he just says, surprise me. And it's, like, it's just yeah, a yeah. great, it's so well done. His voice acting's great. Um, Linguini, I think, voice yeah. acting is just, his is really fantastic. He's
2: great. He, and I and think he could have come across as a really annoying character. Yes. But I think he plays it off as quite kind of charming. Yeah. As well. Because, like, Robert will know this, my least favourite kind of character is, are useless characters like that just make life more difficult for people which when need kind of visit the start at least but you kind of like feel right. from because like people can relate to being like like a bit clumsy or like you feel you yeah. have any skills he's a freaking garbage boy at the start of the film you know he, he never learns how to cook <laughs> you know yeah. so that never gets funny that never gets i do like as well
0: that they're kind of they're a little bit like self-aware as well with uh, some of the scenes where um what's the bad guy's name again i, I oh, skinner skinner yeah he's um when he's like this guy comes out from nowhere and he just happens to be gusto's son like a month before the contract ends what's the chances yeah. of that and it's like yeah. well yeah but like fair enough like who cares yeah, yeah, yeah. um uh but yeah but oh, yeah man no
2: that's a really good, and, that like, really good number one and yeah and there's yeah. i
0: think one of my favorite scenes is when he's he goes to he goes to drown remy and then the the <laughs> scene, and he just runs like he opens the jar and he just runs off. Yeah. And like he just comes yeah. and, he, and then he comes back and like the whole scene is silent. And I love I I I think the best choice in the film, or one of the best choices, was to not let Remy be able to talk to Linguini. Yes,
1: hundred um, percent. Yeah, I would agree with that.
0: Because yeah, yeah. you could easily make the film with them being able to talk to each other and the rats just talk, but they never converse and it's a purely like. Uh, mechanical conversation they're having mm-hmm. and it's just it's fantastic because he's just like squeaking away i love i, I that's my only complaint is so i wish there was more scenes where you got like the human's point of view just the rest squeaking like fuck <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah. yeah that's your only complaint it's great it's, it's great maybe yeah. my only other complaint is the very beginning where it's like oh this is me look how I got here like yeah just i, I think a
1: little bit
2: slow i, I said in my little summary um, this morning that um i, I actually, think the first 50 minutes are a little bit slow but as soon right. as it hits paris it yeah. freaking writes I, like I honestly in, i don't
0: think something. this starts slow from i get why you say that and i think i agree yeah. but i also don't i think honestly as long as you get rid of that little bit where he's like I get here well let me tell you like honestly get rid of that <laughs> yeah yeah like yeah. 10 out of 10 film uh well it's a 10 out of 10 film anyway but like uh, an 11 out of 10 mm-hmm. film uh, anyway, we've been running, actually. I was <laughs> n- not expecting this. I honestly thought we were going to get through all of these films in about 30 minutes, 40 minutes, and then I was going to have to talk about honourable mentions. So I will just list a few honourable mentions and then we will wrap up this episode. Um, I did talk, me and Brandon, we did a test episode which we may upload, I don't know. I, uh, I don't know, we'll see. Um, just talking about some of our honourable mentions. But I'll just touch on some of the ones that didn't make the cut here. Obviously, Hot Fuzz, which I opened with. uh, Best comedy film ever written, I think. And Edgar Wright, in general, is uh, probably... I can make a good argument for him being my favourite director, to be honest. Um, And then, we did talk about this briefly last time. I'll just run through. The Terminal, by uh, Steven Spielberg, Tom Hanks. Just grew up with that film, and it's fantastic. And I used to watch it with my dad, and it's just really fond memories. Uh The Green Mile. Uh, you feel free to have a little I,
1: I really like The Green Mile. I really, really like yeah. that
0: film. I mean it's a long film. It's long. It's long. Michael it's Clark long. Duncan, I think, is good. just I mean, everyone knows he's fantastic in that film, but like again
2: died too soon, man. But he yeah. died like what, early 2000s? Um
0: I think it may be uh I don't know. Um give him a But he's just fantastic in that film and I mean everyone's fantastic in that film, and just like I think I, I just absolutely adore the way they handle the subject matter as well, where it's just like, it's such a dire place, and it's like, he's just such a beacon of like, I don't know, just he's just so great, and then like, the whole like, reveal at the end, and like, uh, Sam Rockwell is fantastic, with the bloody moon pie, and stuff like that, and getting locked up in uh, in solitary, it's like, it's a really funny film as well, and again, it's a film like, it's universal, like, my grand can watch that film and love it, and I can watch that film and love it, and it's like it's not for anyone. It's a film. It's for everyone. Um, again, I don't. Films don't need to be, but like this one is, and that's what I love about it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So, 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 so for, from my understanding, would you say, just really quickly, like for you. Like for you 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 prefer film when it's just like put on the table and everyone. I don't can know because I don't know because there are
0: definitely films that are for people or have moments for people that won't resonate with other people, um, and that can be on race lines, ethnic grounds, uh sexuality, gender grounds, whatever. Obviously, there's like films like that. I won't. I'm not. They're not making the film for me. I'm not the audience, so I shouldn't expect to be. Yeah. Um, I shouldn't expect to get the same reaction or have the same emotional reaction to it and i get that and, and that's an important part of film as well is that you are picking your audience i think there are just i films that have an audience of everyone really intrigue me and i just think the ability to watch even just the knowledge to know that you can watch this film with anyone is really i don't know it's just something great because like if i can watch it like this is a big thing it's because we, we like to write as well right like that's like a big thing for like us is we're kind of like want to be up and coming and you guys are more way more up and coming, but <laughs> writing. And especially between, like, film, media, or, like, like a novel, or, like, uh, like a book or something.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: but I feel like the green mile is just, like, if I'm writing something, it's, like, to be able to write something that your grandkid love would just be, like just, like, just end it there. Like, you've peaked. Like, yeah. and the green mile is just... Especially oh, from Stephen King. Stephen King's a horror writer, and he just bangs out this masterpiece, and Shawshank Redemption, and, like, the guy's just a bloody genius, and it's, like... It doesn't feel feel, if you're looking for Stephen King isms in this film, you can find them. But if you don't have no clue who Stephen King is, it's not like um, his signatures all over it to the point where um, you'd know who Stephen King was from this film alone. It's like it's something really unique, and it's it's just such a it's something you'd expect to be a much older story in terms of its cultural importance. But the fact it's written by a guy who's still alive, who was like popular in the eighties for writing books, is mad because it feels like it should be way older. I don't know. What, I I don't know if that makes sense, but like, it,
1: yeah, No, no, I get you. I get you. It feels like
0: a really modern classic. I the fact it came out in the nineties is unbelievable. Um, Hacksaw Ridge, uh, just again,
1: oh yeah, it's gorgeous. Well, yeah,
0: it's a beautiful film, but also like in terms of like content and the actual visuals, um, but also just the beginning. Like, I'm again, I'm not the big one for rom-coms, and if that's like the audience for romcoms is typically is typically women. Um, and again i don't typically watch rom-coms because i'm not the audience but th- the start of this film if you just cut off the first half of this film may i'd love it and it's just a rom-com basically
1: it, it, it honestly i re- i remember when i first watched it and i was like holy cow why is this better than like half of like the the like rom-com films Who ever made all you need
0: is mel gibson
1: and uh, it, honestly it's a gorgeous film
0: and Uh, i mean obviously andrew Garfield knocks out of the park in terms of like the both of them do well yeah they both do exactly like like their chemistry
1: like like yeah like see see when they first meet each other in the hospital area and he's just totally like i guess like Smitten. smitten yeah yeah and it's just like i don't know what it is but every time i see andrew smitten over this the, uh, this nurse i'm just like bro that's love that's love <laughs> well,
0: it's great it's such a and i i know exactly have you you've, oh yeah we I, I think brandon should probably give it a watch because he Brennan's seen it but more in like a group context you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah but like uh i would definitely give this like a like a dedicated watch as well um but yeah even if you like even if you cut the worst stuff out of the film it's still great like vince vann's i typically don't like vince Vaughn, but he's great um I love the scenes where he gets like beat the shit out of in the in the army barracks and uh in the kind of tent and that and like he just like sticks out and like the scenes with Hugo Weaving are fantastic and like Oh he's
1: great though, isn't he? It's
0: unbelievable. And uh I think this is gonna be that'll definitely be I mean a lot of the based on a true story films that I will be touching on are probably gonna be uh war based just because I like that era. Um, I, I like that history anyway. I'm the uh um,
1: I, I could see see when you can do a good war film
0: yeah it's just like, nothing else man um but like like for example so i watched darkest hour this week and so i'll do an episode on darkest hour and i'm going to do an episode on glorious bastards and uh hacksaw ridge stuff like that but also like other historical times as well but yeah, i think yeah. a lot of them will come from then uh donnie darko
1: that's interesting
0: it's a weird film and it's a weird film i don't don't like the director's cut, um, not good. I think it's the one example I can think of straight off the of my head where giving the director ultimate control is definitely not a good idea because reining it in a bit to make it more accessible and to make it a bit more mysterious, hundred percent benefits this film because the director's cut, for context, if you're not aware, uh, there are scenes on YouTube I think from the, director's, the director's, cut. director's cut. The director's cut goes into a lot more detail about what actually is going on and tells you kind of outright what you're seeing right um and i think that's to the film's detriment because part of the like obviously like the intrigue is i have no clue what's going on um or if you do it's like a really like broad like there's time stuff going on but like it's not defined and it's kind of like not i never got the sense it was in his head but like it's kind of tied to him and that kind of thing um it's just, it's a re- I think it's iconic. Like it's just a lot of the scenes for me, I can just like think off off the back of my head. Uh, the head. back of my head, I can just think off off the top of my head. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I just and it's got it's got young fat Seth Rogen as well, <laughs> and it's great. It's got him <laughs> making fun of a fat Chinese uh, teenage girl, which is uh, obviously not PC nowadays, but is <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> um, and okay, so the the next film. It's probably the only reason it's not in my top five is because I only saw it last week. And I saw it last week for the first time. And I watched I liked it so much that I watched it two days later. And I don't think I've ever done that
1: ever. Wait. Usually it, when, usually, it when
0: film, yeah, it yeah. usually when I watch a film. Yeah, it is. <laughs> usually when I watch a film, even if I love it, I give it a bit. But this one I just I watched it and then I just I don't know, I just really connected. So like if you didn't hear Robert there, About Time. Um, Recommendation actually came from Robert and one of our other friends, Stuart. Um, And I'd always thought this film was a rom-com, so I didn't watch it, because I was like, I don't like rom-coms, even if it's time travel. And I stuck it on, and the narration started, and I was like, oh dear, I don't like this. (laughs) This is not my film. And then I kept watching, and it just, like, absolutely... I don't know it's just i think it's already one of my favorite it's well it's definitely already one of my favorite films ever um and then at the end it's probably what, like an example of a film that just the end has nothing to do with what they're setting up in the first couple of acts in terms of like they're setting up his relationship with what's her name <laughs> i've forgotten her name
1: uh Re- rachel, McAdams rachel
0: mcadams's character. character yeah yeah i'm not good with names if you haven't no realized.
1: no, no, no me. i, I <laughs> All the films, I'm going to tell you, you could ask me any of their names and I wouldn't be able able to give you any bar one.
0: But anyway, so like most of the film is him, like the start is like setting up the time travel and him meeting her and then the whole like second act is them together. them their relationship come together and then like establishing more rules of time travel. And then at the end, it's like, oh, spoilers. The dad gets cancer and there's nothing he can do time-wise, time travel-wise to fix it. And then it becomes a thing of... I love the I love the idea that if you go back further than when your kid was born, uh, you can change up shit, and then you go into the when you go into the present, it's not the same kid anymore, or it probably won't be the same kid anymore, Um, because like the I guess the like perturbations of like sperm meeting the egg are so like chance. So like uh, sensitive to chance that no matter what you change in the past, it's probably going to be a different sperm that reaches the egg or whatever. Um, so he loses his kid. And I thought I th- it was one of those films where I was watching it and I was just like, I feel like they're going to give him, they're just going to make him hit a brick wall. And I really don't want him to hit that brick wall. And one of the, one of the, the scenes I was worried about was when he walks into his home and his little girl has turned into a little boy. And I was like, no, no. I don't like this film anymore. Undo it right now. I know what you're going for. Don't do it. And then they undid it and I was like, excellent. <laughs> um, it was just one of those films where I was like, I, I wasn't even like I was, I, it's not, I wouldn't even say it was accurate. Like it seems kind of cringy to be like, I was rooting for the guy, but like I just didn't want to see him not have a happy ending yeah and like they kept bringing up things to not give him a happy ending and i was like just stop like just stop the movie here and it's great (laughs) and then they kept doing stuff and i was like no stop ruining this guy's life like um and then i thought it was going to be a thing of like i think i I, this is a this is a me thing but i thought there was going to be a scene uh like he picks the the music at the wedding yeah and she's a bit apprehensive to choose that music she's like i don't She's like that awful Italian song or whatever. She had says something like that. And he's like, oh, it means so much to me sort of thing. And then they use it. And I thought they were going to do that thing that's probably typical in a rom-com where you have the split between the two, where you have the, the sense of friction, the, the, the portion of friction in the film between the two love interests, where she's like, well, I didn't want that music in my wedding anyway. And I thought they were going to do this whole thing where he goes back and then changes it. So he's like, oh, he tries to make her happy. And then he realizes they're not happy anyway. I thought they were going to do a whole thing like that where it's like, oh, uh... They reach this friction or whatever no matter what happens and all that kind of they were going to send like a message about like oh marriage or whatever um and they didn't and they just made it about his dad and then they have this beautiful scene this beautiful scene where they all both go back in time together and they relive his childhood and uh him raising him as a as a son together and it's just fantastic um and i i honestly couldn't couldn't think of anything bad about i mean i could probably think of nitpicks but like in terms of like the actual story it's just absolutely flawless um anyway there'll be definitely an episode on that probably with Stuart, because i want to talk about this film <laughs> much more than i have um okay next one rapid fire we'll do rapid fire now because it's getting on for two hours um gardens galaxy number one bloody perfect okay. film i That's fair. my favorite superhero film ever made by by Barnon. none uh probably well Maybe Sam Rumi's Spider-Man films, but they're further down the list. Uh, again, I treat those as a collective, because I grew up with them. So I just, I always watch them as a three. So all three of them are Guardians of the Galaxy and the Sam Rumi's Spider-Man films. Both absolutely flawless. Who from Dr. Rabbit? Flawless film. Nightcrawler? Just horrible and fantastic. <laughs> um, Chef? Really fucking good film. Uh, kind of in the same vein of like Ratatouille, not just because it's like food, but also just like in terms of like the character motivation and like his dream and like failing and then bouncing back and not really gelling with the recent culture and then finding his kind of roots elsewhere, even though he was accomplished before. Great film.
2: John Favreau, yeah.
0: John Favreau, yeah. I mean, it's weird to say a John Favreau films underrated because obviously he's John Favreau, but like I still feel like it's underrated. Yeah. Um, Doctor Sleep. Enjoyed it more than the Shining. Can't lie. You know <laughs> like,
1: what? I have not seen it yet. I re- it's on the list, but I've never watched, got around
0: to it. Watched it with my dad a few years ago. Had zero expectations because I I've seen the Shining and I I get why the Shining is so highly regarded, and I wouldn't even say I dislike the Shining. I just didn't really connect with it. um
1: Do you know? I'm the same. I like
0: really enjoyed it. I'd say enjoyed it, but like I didn't connect with it on like a a level that I know other people have. um no, I don't appreciate it. But anyway, I watched Doctor okay. Sleep and I, was, I had zero expectations for a sequel to like a 1980 film where the director's dead and Stephen King has written like a book. A sequel book to his book, even though he doesn't like the film adaptation of his book. So I was a bit like, okay, how, they go, how are they going to do this? Because they're they're obviously they're making a film. Are they going to adapt the book? And how are they going to reconcile the fact that the book and the first film, the, the book of the first film and the film itself are not the same there's changes and then they have to write they have, they're adapting the sequel book and they're trying to make it fit to a sequel as they're to the original film as well um and they just knock it out of the park i like it's great and it's 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 one i think it's one of those modern films that is kind of like was kind of supposed to be a blockbuster but never really got the traction to be a blockbuster but it's like amazing anyway and has like some beautiful scenes in it especially you mcgregor at the start um but also has some great stephen king horror elements as well um and what's her name from who's the mom in dune again brandon you'll know her name Uh, rebecca ferguson rebecca ferguson is bloody amazing in that film and uh she is great she's worth the price of admission alone um next film zodiac kind of in the same boat as uh nightcrawler for me it's horrible but amazing um the next film is like absolute existential crisis stuff not only because it's three hours long but also because it's just like a horrible film to watch is uh silence um and i i know there's a bit of debate in religious communities about this film especially about the book as well um and even because the book the the film ends in a way that kind of i wouldn't say maybe it does but like kind of counteracts the message of the book so like the book and the film are mostly the same i think and then the ending is quite different uh at least in terms of message maybe rather than absolute like, content but yeah uh either way i think i like to up I, I i think the message at the end maybe is uh for another video obviously but um the film overall is just it's, it's one of those films like, <laughs> it's like it's scorsese like making like a slow film that's meant to be slow because i i sometimes don't think Scorsese films are always justified in their length but uh and this is probably the wrong one to argue for being this long because in terms of things that actually happen it's probably one of the more sparse ones but I think that's to its benefit rather than its detriment um again another kind of religiously film is uh Road to Perdition is it Sam Mendes uh i think he did that one uh kind of in that period where spielberg and tom hanks were doing a lot of films together and this kind of has a spielberg tom hanks feel about it um but it's a great film a great gangster film as well and uh i think jude law jude law is the bad guy in this film which is oh, really? really strange to see because he's like he looks like a total junkie like a total mess and uh, it's so weird to see because he's typically like, well, he's Dumbledore, mate. No, he's wearing his. Uh, he's <laughs> he's wearing a handsome his, little. Thing, he's yeah. a handsome guy, and he's wearing yeah. his. Uh, he's wearing his nice, smart clothes and his um his vest and all that, and uh, yeah, he's typically he's typically a kind of stand-up guy, and uh, in this film, he's <laughs> he's absolute scum of the earth. Um. And then, I I'm assuming this might be on someone's list in the group. Uh, if it's not we'll probably talk about it is the planet of the apes trilogy the new trilogy i put them as a collective because again like they just tell such a great story over the three films as well yeah. as individually oh,
1: absolutely
0: again we did a we did a watch party with our friends with this as well recently so it's kind of on my mind but i remember watching i watched war of the planet of the apes for the first time the day the batman came out with no prior knowledge that it was the same director so i watched like two um what's his name again i awful one. it is
2: Um Sugar. Give me a minute.
0: Matt Reeves? no Matt Matt
2: No, yeah, you're right, yeah. Matt Reeves. Yeah, yeah. Is it Matt Reeves? So. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I
1: think
0: so. Right. Matt Reeves. Two Matt Reese films back to back without knowledge that they're both Matt Reeves films. Yeah. And uh loved both of them. <laughs> so <laughs> like just I mean, War of the Planet Apes is just fantastic. Uh Woody Harrelson's fantastic. I think it's my favourite of the trilogy is probably I don't know, I have a soft spot for James Franco, so maybe the first one, but I think the second second one was always my least favorite, but on a rewatch, really liked it. So They're it's all hard. Great. It's all great, yeah. It's hard to rank like ten out of tens. <laughs> <Like, laughs> exactly. Uh, well, Sam Raimi's Spider Man, and then a more recent one again. But it's actually a recent film rather than just something I watched recently. Is the Menu, mm. um, which that, was never, me? yeah, uh, it's one, we went we see the cinema as a group. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ray yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, is never probably never was going to get on my top five, but would definitely be in, like, a top 20. And it just, like, not... Like, I just love the film as well, but I also think it was just because we had such a great experience going to the cinema to see as a group, when we when we did see it. Because we had... Was there five or six of us? And just, like... it
2: was four of us. Four, it was us three you most Oh, was it?
0: Um, yeah. We I, don't just went, any, I don't think anyone else in the
2: group would have liked
0: it. All right. Well, we went in, and we, like, had zero expectations. Just went to see this weird film that had, like... I don't even know if I'd seen the marketing properly for it. Just like, kind of, around and like we have we have like the cinema pass for the audience, so we just go see like most of the films that come out. But this was like the one where it was like it's not a blockbuster. It's got refines in it. I'm like I'm looking forward to it. It's about food. Like, I'm I'm gonna eat before I go in, but that's a bit. But like, <laughs> I'm just I'm not, I have no expectations. I fully expected to be like a cooking something to do with like on the lines of like ratatouille, like something to do with just like the stress of being a chef or some crap like a bit like the film chef um and then got totally like sidelined when it's like this guy just pulls out a gun and fucking kills himself and it was just (laughs) like and then it just goes balls to the wall and it's great and it's just i don't know it's probably one of my favorite definitely one of my favorite films from the last year never mind like decade but just in terms of like it's just weird and it's not it's, it's not weird for the sake of being weird but it's well it kind of is but in a good way um because like tim burton can be really hit or miss for me where or like Shyamalan, where it's like it almost seems like he's just tripping and he's just written down whatever the fuck and he's not really actually thought about anything um could be could be controversial i, I don't mean to be that harsh on them i'd I actually do quite like both of them but um but like knock at the cabin door it's just a nothing film
2: Nothing happened, mate. Just a nothing film. Batista was good in it. That was it. Batista
0: was to have Batista be the highlight in your film, and and on like on acting prowess as well is just unbelievable. But um, anyway, big props to Batista for that. That was great. But um, but yeah, like I feel like they sometimes are like things like Coraline. Like I haven't seen Coraline, but like I get the I'm not not bashing Coraline, but like things of that kind of vibe, where I think sometimes it's a bit like sometimes I get the, the feeling that they're just a bit strange just for the sake of being a bit strange.
1: Nah, not Coraline, mate. No, and, well, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not That's fashion not, line,
0: that's but, not uh, Tim Burton, as well. Um, I knew that, but I no, just, just just wanted to clarify. Yeah, it's okay. Good, good, clar- yes. good, good boy. Clarify. Um, <laughs> but um, fuck you. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it was one of those songs where it just—it was so weird, and I was like, I kind of knew where some things were going, but it's like again, it was like something where I really didn't expect my family to like it and then I watched it with them and they all loved it as well and I was like it's such a weird film for it to be kind of I mean obviously this isn't the case for everyone but like in terms of like to be universally loved by everyone that I'm kind of associated with which I really didn't expect because I thought it'd be a bit too a bit too strange for especially my family um but no it was really great and uh, I think we just had such a great experience seeing it where it was just like we went in with like not low expectations, but just kind of no expectations, and then we're just well, really we sat
2: down here. We were like, "Is this a horror film?" And it started. And we're like, We'll yeah. see. We'll see what. And
0: I just, yeah. I just thought it was wonderful, and it was just a, it was just a really nice, it's just a really nice experience, especially with friends. Um, mm-hmm. So I think part of it is just I have a really fond memory of going to see it as a group, but also uh, just the film was great, and Refines is just again just absolutely like eleven out of ten, and could easily be on my top five. Every film on my top five um but we've been going for two hours and about 30 seconds so either i'm going to edit this or it's going to be a long episode um it's not it's not
2: like a weekly one so it's, no
0: i think i expect the weekly ones to be i think we'll probably do a video we'll be doing a video this week to do with the weekly That will be more of the weekly format but also um they will be much shorter i i, I would think um this one's kind of an outlier just to get our back catalog up a bit and uh just give you a vibe of what who we are what we're doing and if no one watches we'll watch ourselves back in 50 years and be like wow cringe uh, <laughs> <laughs>
2: exactly exactly
0: uh anyway so that is i guess part one of three of episode one of our this is our grand premiere and uh if you managed to hold it out for two hours congratulations uh well done thank you very much and uh this was my kind of episode obviously um because it was my top five so i kind of took the lead here you might be able to tell my voice is getting a bit hoarse because i've been talking for two hours straight um (laughs) so i'm hoping that you guys do a lot more talking in the next two episodes because i can't keep that up uh but yeah so thanks for watching. thanks for being here uh, and cue the outro uh, we don't have one, but <laughs> cue the outro <laughs> If this is an outro, i worked really hard this week so <laughs> like comment and no don't like and comment and subscribe uh, we're not doing that here yeah, um... that, great. <laughs> yeah that is great. <laughs> uh... <laughs> If you're a if you're a YouTube content creator and you like subscribe and smash that like button, um, you are cringe, and I'm sorry. But... <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Just
1: just watch us be hated
0: by everybody. Yeah. Advertising's cringe, bro. Why would you advertise something you're retarded? <laughs> so cringe. The ads on. Yeah. Oh mate, wish Raid Shadow Legends. Yeah.
2: Hey, anyway.
0: Yep. Oh well. Yeah. Okay. Outro. Right. That's us. Two hours, three minutes. Let's clock it.